Well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. John out here with you. It's a Thursday, February 15, 2024. Let me get Alec Nava in here, and then we will get into the starting lineups. So for the Detroit Red Wings, they're 27, 19, and 6. They're fifth in the Atlantic. That's the second wild card. Their lineup, head coach by Derek Lalonde, sounds like this. Dylan Larkin, Alex Debrinkett, Lucas Raymond with Jake Wallman and Moritz Sider. J.T. Coffer, David Perron, Patty Kane with Ben Schrott and Jeff Petrie. It's Andrew Kopp, Michael Rasmussen, Christian Fisher, Joe Valeno, Clem Cost, and Daniel Sprong with the third line of Ole Mata and Shane Gossespierre. Alex Lyon should be the goaltender of record today. And for the Vancouver Canucks, they are first in the Pacific. They are best in the West, 36-12-6, head coached by Rick Tockett. It sounds like this, Elias Lindholm, Niels Hoglander, Elias Pettersson with Quinn Hughes and Philip Peronik. J.T. Miller, Pugh Suter, Brock Besser, Ian Cole, Tyler Myers, Teddy Bluger, Ilya Mikheyev, Connor Garland, Neil Zalman, Philip DiGiuseppe, and Sam Lafferty with Nikita Zadorov and Noah Juleson. Thatcher Demko should be the goaltender of record. So the Nikita Zadorov two-game suspension with a hit to the head of Lucas Raymond. That's all done on that side. And we'll see what ends up happening in this game. Alec, after the other night, with the Connor McDavid six assist game, I feel like I'm having PTSD. Do I feel like I should be aware of Jake Wallman doing the gritty in OT and getting that win and maybe expecting some fireworks tonight, or is it going to be all business as usual for the Canucks? I'll say, John, heading into tonight, we remember what happened last time around between them. Vancouver, frankly, I don't remember when they last beat Detroit, but I think it has, you have to go back to, what, 2019 mm -hmm. for that? So whenever these two face off, this feels like on paper it should be a bad matchup for the Canucks. But this is a different Canucks team this year. They turned things around not only on the offensive side. They were doing fine offensively. Defensively is where they stepped it up, especially on the latter two pairings with Ian Cole, Nikita Zadorov. Noah Jolson and Badger Demko returning to being Badger Demko and all defensive identity. One name we're not going to see in particular, Dakota Joshua. He was banged up in practice. He's going to miss this game tonight, usually on the third line left wing side with Bluger and Garland. And Rick Tockett normally says for Dakota Joshua, the Dearborn, Michigan native, that he's one of his favorite players. He does a little bit of everything. That will be a loss for the Canucks on this side. Admittedly, Alec, it's going to be my first look at Elias Lindholm with his new team. We've seen him a lot with the Flames. And it looks like he's going to be the number one centerman today. You can alternate between him and Patterson as the number one center. You'd not go wrong. Lindholm has also played in the wing position. That was his original spot back in Calgary and Carolina at the right-wing spot, but he can also take face-offs, and boy, he's darn good at it. I did not get a chance to see Thatcher Demko this year. Both times, I mean, it was the one against uh, Pittsburgh with Casey DeSmith and Wallman. It was the one with Wallman and Casey DeSmith in the game on Thursday. So hopefully I get a chance to see Thatcher Demko today, but I will get a chance to watch former Red Wing Philip Peronik, who is really really started to pick up the pace alongside Quinn Hughes as his battery mate on the first line defense. He looks like a transformational defenseman with all those assists. I'll tell you, yeah, you know, the trade that they made, both sides had to be happy about it. With the Canucks setting the first round pick they acquired the Bo Horvat trade to Detroit, that's a win-win. I'm going to look at the NHL standings, and I know we'll go through the entire scoreboard when we get into 
a part of our intermission. But as I look, Alvik, I know it's this time of year, but the Red Wings have 52 games played. Toronto just completed their comeback. Again, they almost blew it against the Philadelphia Flyers, but the Austin Matthews hat trick was enough to get it done. I think Willie Nylander scored the game winner. But 52 games played for both of these squads, that means 30 games left in the regular season, and the Red Wings' lead in the wild card is down to two points. New Jersey Devils thankfully lost today 2-1 against the Kings, but I'm starting to scoreboard watch a little bit, Alec. How about you? Yes, well, because I'm seeing we're up 2-1 over the Chicago Blackhawks mm-hmm. by Pittsburgh Penguins. The last time around... That, that 2 nothing lead was by no means comfortable. We had that 2 nothing lead lost by scoring and by having the Blackhawks scoring four unanswered on us. And whenever we play the Blackhawks, no matter what happens, no matter what the talent level is on the ice, it just seems like Chicago has the upper hand on us. That was evidence last year in the second to last year of the game in which we need to win, and, and we lost that one. First game of the season, first game for Connor Bedard, we lost that one. So we need to Shut it down, especially yeah. since we're about Jake Getzel. Yeah, you're kind of wondering what's going to happen with that, with the injury. Again, Alec and I talked about some of the trades, the deadline that's going to be upcoming through the first week of March on that end. So there's going to be a lot to figure out, and especially for Pittsburgh. I know we're in a situation where, look, you know where they are in the standings right now. You need the two points against a team that you should beat on that side as the Pens got 53, and again, the next closest is 60. It's seven points out. But the Pens are a team that's going to have to go for it on that side, and we're going to have to see if they continue to get points. So Alex Lyon is going to get the start against Thatcher Demko, 14-7-2, two shutouts. Thatcher Demko, 29-9-1, and 244-918-5 shutouts. As I have the Ballet Sports Detroit feed, again, that's my only local option today covering the Red Wings on this side. And they're going to try to take this left to right, and the Vancouver Canucks are in the... Uh, 90s alternate on that side as this is a good hit on the right side picked up now for the Canucks are going to be going right to left Ben Chirot trying to get through a couple of checks and a one-timer immediately gets held on by Alex Lyon and it's going to be a little bit different here Alec for Mr. Lyon on this side because a couple nights ago it was Ville Husso missing eight weeks he goes in and then he gets injured to the first seven saves of the game he had to go in cold he got uh Beat up a little bit, but now Alex Lyon's going to get the start against the best team in the West. Yes, basically the best, the best team, which means the biggest test for Alex Lyon so far this season. Can he live up to that hype? There is a hope that he does, given how much of a great job that he's done this season as the the sure number one goaltender with the stats of a number one goaltender for Detroit. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's kind of been the savior here. Petrie is just going to take a waft pass. Near the right side, Dot and the Canucks will be able to easily intercept this thing. It bounced off the stick of Petrie and now flipped down again. As we'll take a look off the backhand pass there for Nikita Zadorov. Send this one right to left and Teddy Bluger. Third line for Rick Tockett's squad. Off of Jake Wallman that's bounced off the left side of the back of his legs. And now Moritz Sider. We'll go ahead and recollect again. A lot was made on social media about Moritz Sider and Connor McDavid and some of those moves. But you just can't stop everything. 
There was a hit away from the puck, and there's a hand in the air, and it's going to be a power play for the Red Wings once the Canucks touch. So this is a good start for Detroit here. Again, their power play was two for three in the last game against the Oilers. It was three, three after two periods before becoming an 8-4 game. It just got ugly. As now it's finally touched by Vancouver, and Detroit's going to go to the power play. I believe it was P.S. Suter who either tripped or interfered with Lucas Raymond because Raymond didn't have to puck. They're going to say tripping even though Raymond didn't have possession of it because Suter, he got Raymond by the skates, and that's a big no-no. So here's the thing, Alec, a little inside information from the last game. Four penalties drawn. Of all four penalties in the last two games, it's all Lucas Raymond drawing the penalties. So Pute Suter, the former Red Wing and Blackhawks, is going to go to the box for tripping. And early on, the Red Wings have the power play again. Two for three in their last. They're pretty good in that department. As a full-length clear will be stopped by Alex Lyon, but more at Cider. needs to be able to get a piece of it. And now they're just kind of falling on this puck right now, and the Red Wings will have to get back on their own end and recollect. So it's number 88, Patrick Kane. He's got him now. He looked really good in the last game. It's the Brinkett cross-ice pass near the right side. Dotness will be picked up now for Kane. Near the left side red line, working in behind the net. Throws it back to D for Daniel Sprung. Back to Kane near the left side. Kane try to chop it here for Sider, and that's going to be easily picked up for Ian Cole. I'll just backhand this thing down the ice. And the Vancouver Canucks can go ahead and take their change. As Patrick Kane is all the way in his own end. I'll drop it now. And the Red Wings will look to get started here for a ghost. Shane Gossespierre will get this one across. And good defense there for the moment, but it's across the logo. Here's a back pass near the left side, but nobody was there. It was a good design as this goes in the high slot. Red Wings have it now. Off the backhand, Larkin drops for Raymond. Larkin gets it back in the high slot for Gossespierre. One-timer fanned on. Comfort picks it up. As this is from Sprung. Comfort. Patient. Gets near the right side for Larkin. Here's a shovel attempt. Now to Goss in the left wing side. Wide open. Raymond doesn't shoot it. He passes it in between Demko's pads. Larkin picks it up. His pass is bounced off a of Canuck. It still stays in the zone for number 71. Larkin. Slow pass. And the high slot now for Raymond. He finally shoots it. Good screen in front. Good save by Demko as Perron was there. And now Raymond sends it across. High slot Goss Near the left wing. Red Wings still patient with this. Center, center, put, a, put a centering pass out there, excuse me, for Raymond. As this one goes wide. And now to Larkin. Near the right side dot. He shoots it way wide. Puts it back near the left side high slot. Red Wings working it behind the net. Now even strength off the side of the net goes wide. Demko holding on with the stick near the left side of the post. And now the Canucks will finally touch it. So Alec, that was... Uh, Full two minutes for the Red Wings with the puck. They just couldn't do anything with it, really. And Alex Line puts it around the end boards. And it looks like the Red Wings will get a chance to start again in the road whites and the mix of the red on the pants and the white striping. Vancouver Canucks and all black. Tim Costin with an opportunity sends a pass across. And this one is picked off. Here's a rush. JT Miller can't find it as the Red Wings now will get this near the left side red line. It's an opportunity for Costin. And they'll throw it near the right side red line as this bounces off a couple sticks. Miller absorbs a hit. Sent back around the end boards here, Pedersen. As it's picked up now for Miller. Sent it across, and the Canucks will have it now. As Di Giuseppe gets dispossessed by Petrie. Puts it around the end boards now for the Red Wings. 
and they will get this into the players' bench. We get a stoppage, 15-28. So the Red Wings had the puck the whole time, but they still don't have any shots on goal on that power play. I believe Raymond, he hit his own man, J.T. Comfort, on one of his shots. And Comfort later on, he rang the inside of the post, and it stayed out the entire way. Bucks was going to go in, John. We were so close to seeing a goal here on the power play, but then it's 0-0 zero, zero, still. Yeah, I can't believe that. I just got the replay now of Comfort right off the inside of the post. How close can you get as this is sent back down the ice in the defensive end? Good clearing attempt here for the Canucks to see if they can buy time now near the left side. It bounces away from Cole, and now Joe Valeno, the fourth line for Derek Lalonde's squad, will go ahead and recollect it as Vancouver finds it in their own end. Once again, a little bit of a hand pass or an offsides nonetheless. 15.06 in the first, we'll get another stoppage. So, in the case of Elias Lindholm, this is actually his first home game since he got acquired from the Calgary Flames in the All-Star break, and he's starting as a center. So, for Elias Lindholm, I had his stats on this side. So, five games played coming into today, two goals and assist, and three points for a minus three. But we know everything that he can bring. Again, you're going to need some time. They're showing a couple of his goals alongside Quinn Hughes on the Detroit feed. Here's a one-timer from the point. This one is saved by Demko as this is picked up now. Perron will try to find it near the left side boards. Cross pass Larkin. Good block out in front by the Canucks as Demko was down and out. Red Wings now Larkin again off the one team. That's stopped by the right pad of Demko. Again, you want to see the effort that the Red Wings can bring after getting slobberknockered in that third period. They're outscored 5-1 by Edmonton. It's not like they played a horrible game to the first two. They didn't give the Oilers any power plays. It was tied. They just got McDavid on that side. It was six assists as it's sent back around. And now the Canucks will get a chance to go right to left. They haven't had a lot to do here as it's still one nothing on the shot board, but I think that's definitely going to change. They haven't fixed it yet as Vancouver off the back skate and their own end. We'll send this across to Bluger. And now near the right side, Pedersen with a chance. This one will get blocked. Chirac got a piece of it as he is down on his knees trying to make a play. That's a great save for Lyon. And somebody absolutely got blasted near the left side and dropped their stick as the Red Wings will get this one down. Demko will watch as this will spin around, I believe, for Noah Juleson. So he's got it now. It's a adorable touch. He'll make an outstretched pass down the middle of the ice, and Lyon will chop it, but this is going to be stolen for a moment. Red Wings will have to get this out of their defensive end. They'll do so now. Clem Costin, here's a sauce pass, and Demko finds the wrister all the way and holds from Valeno. That was so close for Vancouver off the one-timer on the rush. And his lane was open there, Lyon still is sharp going onwards. Good start to the game, I think, for the Red Wings on this side, Alec, and it's not just because of the power play. Again, I'm going to try to be as neutral as I can on this side, but I will admit to you, those last 20 minutes of the game on Tuesday, that was very difficult to be neutral on the fact that all the breakdowns and some of the things that I saw, you saw the highlights, I'm sure. What did you think of Connor McDavid's six-assist performance? It was a career high for him. Connor McDavid, <sighs> What else can I say about him except for the same things all over? The thing is, with the Oilers heating up, so is he. They're going as far as he and Dryside are taking them. That's all I can, I can basically say before Edmonton to roll this hot on Detroit. 
they're, they're really sending a message. Yeah, and again, for the Oilers, I think they're getting uh, beat up pretty good by the Blues today, but if they do lose, it would still be winning 17 out of the last 21. So again, when you win 16 straight and you lose a couple here and there, I don't think people should start getting wayward. The only thing I would imagine, Alec, is what we'll watch for is if Edmonton continues to lose, for me, and I think you'll agree with this, it's the way that Edmonton will lose. Are they starting to lose games 6-4? to four? Are they getting away from their defensive structure? Because everything else in that 16-game win streak, you and I talked about it, I mean, the Oilers played some perfect hockey, and they were able to win games essentially 3-1 to one most of the time and play playoff caliber hockey. That, that was the case there, John. The, their win streak was enrolling through the momentum. There was only one thing that could possibly stop it, and that might have been the all-star break. That might have caused them to lose a bit of momentum on the standings going right back, but not much has changed. They're still third in the Pacific, and are in a good position for playoffs. Mm -hmm. They just need to hold on to it and stick with that defensive game. I agree. That's the thing that's going to set the Oilers apart because you already know everything else that they can do. Niels Hoaglander offsides of the Canucks if you just check back on the play-by-play. Shopward says 1-1. I don't know if I believe that, but the GT Confer shot did hit the post. I'm looking at rush chances allowed. I think it's NHL rank second fewest for the Canucks. 52 rush goals is tied for the most. Again, kind of two-on-ones after a zone entry moving toward the net and can't circle back. That's the definition. So they'll play with speed, Vancouver, and they'll go north-south, and they'll try to score a goal right on you. And that's what they're very good at. When you got high-skilled players like Elias Pettersson and J.T. Miller and Brock Besser, it really kind of makes sense. It really doesn't have to be that complicated as it's sent around the inboards now. Quinn Hughes is definitely a part of that. Again, I got to watch the transformational defense a little bit at U of M with his years. And he really is the real deal. Quinn Hughes, we talk about Kale McCarr. I don't want to bury Quinn too far down the list, Alec, because he's right there. He is definitely there with the likes of McCarr and Adam Fox and some of the best young defensemen in the NHL. Hughes, especially on the offensive end. But under Rick Tockett, you can say that his defensive game got taken to another level. And that's what you want to have if you're going to play with Rick Tockett. It's kind of like playing with Daryl Sutter on that side when he was there. you got to be able to play defense. You're not going to be able to have some time on the ice. Same thing with John Tortorella. But I think Rick Tockett has taken the talent on this team, Alec. And I think he's just superseded it and helped them go into a better direction. He's continued to uh, showcase what he can do. We knew that the Canucks were a pretty talented squad. They were just underperforming. But now with Tockett, I think that's kind of changed. As we're checking back in now, 12:25. We'll have to go on the first. Here's an outstretch pass, a bad turnover, and Miller's gonna roof this thing from distance. What a shot! You want to speak of bad turnovers? This is the example of it here. Detroit, they're trapped at their own zone. Jeff Petrie looks for a lane, but that lane was cut off quickly there by Miller, who saw it, intercepted it as Miller was going to center ice on this pass. And Miller made no mistake shooting for the screen right at the net front, provided very well. Where if you take away Alex Ryan's eyes, I think it was yeah. Besser who set the screen. I think it was. No, you got that right. Again, it was right out in front. Brock Besser, perfect screen. And 
Man, oh man, when we saw that a little bit during the skills competition for JT Miller, it really impressed me, whether it was wrist shot or slap shot, the amount of velocity and placement that he was able to consistently get, kind of get it around 95 to 100 miles an hour, even on a wrist shot about 90 miles an hour, and you could definitely see that. I mean, that was just before the left dot, Alec, and that thing was sizzled into the back of the net. Daniel Sprong. Trying to make a play in between his legs. How will the Red Wings answer now? Here's another rush off the backhand. And this one is stopped. Again, the Red Wings defense, Ole Mata. They're going to have to start picking it up as Connor Garland was denied by Lyon. But that was really an unstoppable shot with a great screen. As this is sent around the inboards, Valeno able to throw a hit out there. And here comes the Canucks again off the rush. And I can't believe the Dallas score that I'm seeing across. We'll definitely have to do a double take on that. As this is sent around the inboards, I almost lost my mind. Picked up now for the Canucks near the left side of the blue line. Alex Lyon will go ahead and try to stop it. Good forecheck here for Vancouver. Red Wings just able to get this across the left side red line. Step through a hit was Michael Rasmussen as they'll try to pin this puck to the Red Wings. Near the right side boards, a centering pass. Good save. Fisher didn't get all of it. Slap shot goes up the outside of the cage. Ian Cole. Now gets an opportunity with Amon. Pick this one up now. A sauce pass attempt will go down the ice. This will not be iced, however. Jeff Petrie puts it around the inboards. And I think Alec called it well on the last goal there for J.T. Miller. I saw Jeff Petrie in his face. He kind of knew he threw a bad turnover there. He was a little bit upset with himself. As this is picked up now for the Orchard Lake St. Mary's product and Petrie. Now near the left side, Raymond. Tries to force the steal. He scored a fantastic goal within the first 40 seconds on that Saturday game. And then he took that big hit from Zadorov. As this is near the right side. Dot. Wow! Another blaster from distance. And I think this one was Elias Lindholm. Just some surgical wrist shots. Welcome to Vancouver, Elias Lindholm. It's first of many. Another one from distance. Basically from the same place that Miller scored his goal. This, this time around, instead of far side, he goes near side towards Elias' blocker pads to make it a little harder for Elias to control a rebound because you have a less of a chance to get a save with your blocker rather than with your glove hand. So smart shot by Lindholm, smart goal. Man, he just nutmegged Jake Woolman, shot it in between his leg, bounced it off to the left, the right post from distance, and it went in the net. Two unstoppable shots, no chance for Alex Lyon. That's not even me being neutral. He's not saving those. As this is picked up now off the sticklet, Vancouver have to skate in their own end with Quinn Hughes and collected. Quinn Hughes can definitely take this coast to coast. Now for Miller, this could get really ugly. I mentioned it in the open. I think that Vancouver might be able to get the same kind of eight spot that Edmonton just put on Detroit. If that's the type of game that we get, well, then you know that Detroit's not going to be ready to be able to play against the big boys. You did get that win on Saturday, but you got to know after the events on the Saturday side that when you're playing Vancouver again, it could be a completely different narrative. As this is near the left side, dot off the backhand. Not collected here for Vancouver. They'll have to start again on the blue line. Off the back skate, Hughes. Now centering. He'll make a pass across. He tried to find Besser. And good forecheck for Vancouver again. They're certainly feeling themselves some spectacular shots from distance. As Bluger will send it in. 
Kind of wonder what Alex Lyons feeling, or maybe even James Reimer, because at some point he's going to have to get some playing time, and he hasn't had the best of numbers. As Nils Juleson will throw this across. Picked up now for the Red Wings, Raymond Larkin. Gave this near for a DeBrinket. Larkin goes off the outside of the cage. Shots are 4-3, but Vancouver already has a pair of goals. As this is checked, dispossessed of the puck now. Pass from Larkin will be picked off near the left side dot, but here's an opportunity. Dylan gains it off the steal. Great pass, but DeBrinket can't get a stick on it. Turnaround shot, easy save for Demko. He will hold on to it. We will go to break. Yeah, you said it best. This is getting ugly early on. But how Vancouver, they've been playing smart, holding it nicely at their own end, going from end to end, intercepting the puck to convert those chances into goals, especially with the Miller one, and then Lino with the nutmeg on Jake Wallman afterwards. Well, as of right now, I would say at least it's not Stars Predators, but the Stars, they had two goals in the first period, which is not really an indication of how the game is going to go early on, because any time, the later periods, yeah, it's about how hot you can be. Alec, you saw the Stars the other day against the Hurricanes, but we're talking realistically, I'm looking at the scoreline that Alec didn't give you on that, and I think he did it for a reason to lead me into it. Stars have nine. They get two more goals here. We're going to need our fingers and toes to count how many that they're going to score. And this is against the Predators, who aren't a bad hockey club, but a nine spot for Dallas? That is ridiculous. I mean, th this isn't just beating down your opponent. This is absolute humiliation. Like, I remember in Japanese baseball, the, the rule, the big rule that they make isn't to win. It isn't just to win. It's to not humiliate your opponent. Yeah, apparently that rule does not apply to the NHL as much as it did in the 70s and 80s, maybe early 90s. When I'm looking at this scoreboard, Alec, all I do see is a bunch of stars. But the main thing that I take across from this is Wyatt Johnston and Matt Duchesne, but especially Matt Duchesne. That has got to be one of the biggest slam dunk offseason pickups that Jim Nill made, and that was essentially off a buyout. It doesn't really cost you anything, and he already has. Let me make sure that I count this correctly on this side, because I see in the second, he's got 21 goals on the season. Already 21 goals. Two of them in this game was two assists as far as it's a four-point night on his former team. I think he wanted this one and treating this like a revenge game. It's got so bad that they... Decide to say, Jake Ottinger, your night is done. You did us a job, let's give Scott Wedge with some reps. Yeah, you might as well, because that game's already done. And then we found out now, courtesy of the Valley Sports Detroit side, of why Robbie Fabry was out for personal reasons. Well, he welcomed his daughter into uh, the world here at this side. So good job to see Gabriella there. And he'll be joining, I believe, the team on uh, the Calgary side on Saturday when I cover the Waterford Sharks, as this will be sent for Cider, he'll intercept this into the neutral zone, play it near the blue line side, Red Wings will have to go ahead and dump this in, as Fisher puts it around the end boards, gets a good bounce off the referee, this will give the, the Red Wings some puck possession, and a tripping call will go against the Vancouver Canucks, I think it was Ian Cole on cop, the Red Wings get a power play, and maybe the door will be ajar in this game, because they need a goal here. Yeah, clearly it was cop who reached into the skates, 
trying to poke away this puck. It slid right by, timed it late on Andrew Kopp, and that's going to bite you if you're going to be a defensive defenseman. Sometimes it's the cost of doing such defensive plays in which you're trying to make the right move, but it bites you because you went after the wrong area. No doubt about it. Again, the Red Wings Purple, as I said the previous it was uh, two for three against the Oilers. They really need it now. Again, it, this could be a mirror image situation of what was Tuesday because the Red Wings were down 2-1. They got a power play goal and they made it 2-1 after one on Tuesday. One timer set up. That was blocked. That was Valeno that they tried to find. Good screen out in front. Red Wings were very patient with their first power play. Here's a slapper. This gets blocked before it ever hit Denko. And now the Canucks... Havilade arriving essentially two on one as this pass will be picked off. Redmonds now will try to get it the other way. Lion will stop it after the clearing attempt from the Canucks. And this will be more Cider. Cider off the drop pass. Again, a couple of long wrist shot goals for the Vancouver Canucks in this game so far. And they were nasty ones at that side. I'll pull back up on the box as the Redmonds continue to get settled. That's 2 nothing. For the Canucks, they have the lead on just four shots. J.T. Miller unassisted and Lindholm from Elias Pettersson. Pair of Elias as this is sent back around the end boards. Daniel Sprong try to get this near the left side, try to find Kane. And this will be cleared down the ice again. So nothing going on. The Red Wings' second power play. The first power play didn't get any shots, but they had all the puck possession. So what are they going to do now? This will be Ghost with the puck and drop it back. So you'll be able to find the entry here. Raymond in full flight. He's on his off wing. He'll get the pass now between his skates. But Canucks are right there with Nikita Zadorov as Raymond gets us around the end boards. Right in the middle of the dot. This is almost blocked off of a Red Wing. Raymond almost blocked Larkin shot, I believe. As it's Comfort. Pick this one up. Near the top of the slot, it's Raymond. Near the right side, Dot Larkin sends a pass across. Red Wings need to do something here. They're just kept on the outside. Here's a centering pass for Larkin. This gets blocked from Coffer. Falls right back to him. And the Canucks are just keeping this box out there and keeping the Red Wings to the outside. They got no answer. Raymond sends it across for Coffer. That goes wide, and this is sent down the ice. So, Alec, we saw what the strategy was for the Canucks there to keep that uh, diamond shape in that box. They kept the Red Wings on the outside, and they couldn't do anything with it. It just felt like what we saw from one of the power plays at the Vegas Golden Knights when they were up against the Edmonton Oilers in one of the previous games that we covered. So Tyler Myers now, former Buffalo Sabre. Again, that was a long time ago as Valeno will be able to send this one. and Picked up now for the Canucks. Again, a great period for them. Not a lot of shots, though, but they got the conversion that they needed. Quinn Hughes will get this back. Near the left side, red line pass. Good sauce. Here's a shot through the traffic, but it's picked up by the Red Wings now. And an opportunity to clear this in near the left side for Chirot. And this is a change for Derek Lalonde's squad. They need it. Again, they're not getting punched in the face right now, but a couple of goals with the meager amount of shots. If Alex Line doesn't have one of his better games here, this is going to be two points that are going to get thrown in the fire. Here's another long shot. This one will get knocked away. As Hughes tried to recollect off the backskate, Joe Valeno attempting to bother that as it got knocked away from DiGiuseppe. Hughes will send it in. Lyon will just shovel it near the left side red line, but it's still very contested with Canucks now. As Valeno 
Here's a centering pass, doesn't find any of the Vancouver defense. Ian Cole back out there after committing the tripping infraction. Got a 2-0 lead on four shots. We're at Rogers Arena. Again, the Red Wings, a couple tough back-to-backs. You had Canucks, the Oilers, and Canucks in their last recent part of their schedule. And they're going to be playing the Colorado Avalanche pretty soon as well. So when I looked at the Money Pucks part of the standings, the Red Wings had about a 32% chance of making the playoffs compared to the Maple Leafs, who were pretty close in the points when they had 95. And that's only because of the schedule out in front. And a good segue here for the Red Wings as you go to the break, they showed the hat trick from Austin Matthews. He had another big night. Yeah, Matthews, three more goals for him, pushing 60 for the second time in three years. In terms of the goal total score, he, but, but the goal isn't about goal scores for Matthews and the Maple Leafs. When we look at them, if we remember that they won a playoff series last year, they want to go deeper than that, but I feel there are more legitimate questions about the Leafs than answers about them this year. Yeah, and for me, Alec, I'm not going to sit and blame Brad Trilling, and I know that you're not, on the side of it for some of the acquisitions. Ryan Reeves, yeah, I'll throw that to Tree Living. But for Bertuzzi and Domi, I think that they're good players, but when I get a chance to watch Tyler Bertuzzi, what really bothers me, if you're Toronto, is look at what he did with the Red Wings. I know he was hurt, but look at what he really did with the Boston Bruins. Getting in front of the dirty areas, digging the puck out, setting up pasta, getting a chance for Bergeron and Krejci when they were there, getting in the area, scoring some dirty goals. I don't see him doing any of that with Toronto, and I can't help but wonder that Sheldon Keefe and company is just using him incorrectly. And that made me feel like the situation, this a misunderstanding of what role he's supposed to play, plus just not being utilized in the correct situations. But not only with Bertuzzi, it feels like there's something going on with the Leafs in terms of how much passion they have. Steve Dangle noted out in a recent video when they lost to the Ottawa Senators in the yeah. Wrigley Greg empty net slap shot goal is that this team lacks passion. The only one that's playing with heart before then was Morgan Riley. And even then he got suspended because he took the response on Greg's empty net slapper to an extreme. He did. Let me ask you this, Alec. Again, I know we're beginning back into the play-by-play, -play, but did you like the Ridley Grig slapper? Well, uh, Ottawa played like the better team. And it feels like, you know, it feels that every team that goes to play, the Maple Leafs are treating it as if it is their Stanley Cup final. Of course, their opponents, they're going to play with better heart than the Leafs because I, there's this lack of heart among the Leafs team and their legitimate question on how far they can go which has me really concerned about them entering this year's playoffs. Yeah, I'd have to say I like the slapper. I understand the response for Morgan Riley. We agree that it went too far. There is going to be a response. You spilled to just drop the gloves. You don't want to cross-check a guy in the neck, but I understand Toronto wanting to get a response from something like that. But at the same time, I think about it this way. You have the Wallman Gritty. You have a slapper into the empty net. I know it's a different game. I think the one thing you and I would completely agree with, you don't want to also have the Ryan Reeves comments when he goes out and says, make hockey violent again. That's probably not the message you want to send. <laughs> <laughs> no. And then after 
shorter than him. And Nathan Walker was like, what, five foot eight? And he gave uh, Reeves a pretty good ride in the boards and knocked him down. So it wasn't a good look for Ryan Reeves, but it was pretty funny for the NHL community. As Dylan Larkin got knocked down, and this will be set back up here for Wallman. It's Raymond. Good half spin, but he's going to have to pull back as the Red Wings will have it in the neutral zone. 305 left to go in the first draw under with you alongside Alec now. I don't know if Cooper Hopkins is going to be joining in. But again, I guess people might be thinking about uh, how I might feel over these last two games. I'm trying not to overreact, but again, you understand when you're watching good teams where well, you could be giving up another long shot. This will be picked up now for Debrinket off the rush. And again, Alec, this is what we're seeing from Vancouver. They already scored a couple of shots from distance. That's their game plan right now against Lyon. They got two goals on five shots. So far it has been the long shot game. They've been thriving on it. They have done nicely on this. Well, the long shot, no matter if it's anywhere their forwards or their defenseman, Quinn Hughes, Philip Horonic, they can get goals in bunches. I think Ben Chirai took a puck up to his helmet and had to get checked, I'm guessing. Yeah, I saw him bend down a little bit. I'm looking at it right now, my friend, on this side. So, slow motion. Yeah, that puck went off his helmet or something like that. That definitely got a piece of him on that side. He got a little stunned as the clearing attempt hit him. And meanwhile, mercifully for Nashville, there's some positives about that game. It's over. <laughs> that's, that's the best thing you could say about it, Alec. I think you hit the nail on the head. As it's sent around the end boards now. Yeah, no more hockey left to play. You can go ahead and get some food and take a rest. 9-2 beating. That was even worse than what the Red Wings had to face the other night. So I guess I shouldn't feel so bad. As this is put around the end boards. Besser can find it. Mata was there. He'll make the outstretch pass there for David Perron. And this will be sent in here for the Canucks. Cole. Give it to his defensive partner now. And the Canucks will let their forwards go ahead and take a change. So it's Myers and Cole on the second line right now as it's Tyler Myers. Send this one near the left side. It's cleared in for Bluger. Ilya McKayev, former Maple Leaf. He'll get pinned against the wall. Bluger trying to find it. He was a decent off-season acquisition on that side for VGK. Didn't get a chance to play a lot. Here's a fake of a slap pass for Juleson. This goes wide among the inboards. Alex line was down. He was looking near the left side of the post. As this is recollected now, Besser absorbing some hits. Clint Costin is definitely not somebody you want to mess with. Turnaround shot, that one gets saved. He would be my main proponent of dropping the gloves here for the Red Wings because he can definitely throw hands. And a whistle being called at 108. I've yet to see what it's on, though. I think it's Vancouver getting called for the penalty. I don't know what exactly the penalty is on, on Vancouver. I don't know if it's JT Miller or Nikita Zadorov. I saw Zadorov going to the box. Miller's grasping onto his right knee for something. Miller's out there on the ice. They're calling Zadorov for a penalty. Don't know what that's about. So, Juleson, I see with a hit against Costin. I'm trying to see what the penalty is going to be. That's a good reverse hit that I see, but I don't see anything here for Nikita Zadorov. It's his interference against Daniel Sprong, and we didn't see the interference. As this is near the right side, no wonder why Rick Tockett was just shaking his head. I mean, that's all you can do. It's not like the Red Wings power play has done anything, but yet they get the third opportunity. 
How many times can they get one before they score? They have a golden opportunity to get within one. As this is near the left side, David Perron back out there trying to find Larkin. He wasn't even set. And Cole will get this one down the ice. So if the Red Wings don't score here, they'll have some carryover time, but not a lot left. Goss to spare. Going to try to get this one from left to right. It's Raymond. Fire it in. Raymond gets away from a head. Thatcher Demko will stop it. Red Wings will steal it. And behind the net, Comfer. Raymond near the right side. Dot sends it in the high slot. Fake a slap pass near the left side. Here you go with the Red Wings on the outside. This is Perron near the left dot. Here's a back pass to Comfer. He was trying to provide a screen in front of Demko. He's going to take that spot. Somebody got to let this go. This is Larkin. He gets tripped partially. Perron, one-timer. That one way high for Gossespierre, somehow recollected by David. This is the center on the end boards. Comfer, back pass to nobody, and that's going to end the first. That Red Wings power play was UGLY. You can fit that in. 2 nothing after 1 for Vancouver. Oh, the tail of the tape, John. That power play really needs more because outside of that first chance... It was all M-I-A, missing in yeah. action. But the first test, it was there. The JT Comfort almost netting the first goal. We'd wonder if things would have gone differently had he scored there. But with Vancouver scoring twice on long-range shots, they still would be having control of this game, especially having they played on five on five. They had the majority of the opportunities, and they capitalized on two of them. Yes, they did, and we'll see what ends up happening in the long shots, as Alex said. That's really the name of the game. Again, the latest one was a nutmeg there for Elias Lindholm on Jake Wallman. Really nothing you can do for Alex Lyon on either one of those goals, but again, Thatcher Demko wasn't really overworked, Alec. You could have put myself or yourself in the goal crease, and I think the uh, score line would have been the same. So Red Wings got to get something going here offensively. They've had three power plays, and had nothing going on for it. So I know that there's a lot to get to. We could do it as far as uh, storylines and all that. But why don't you uh, start with the scoreboard? So let's start things off. We got final scores to cover up. Well, for the second straight year, the Seattle Kraken in Boston take down the Bruins 4-1 on the road. Who had this in their bingo card? Not I. Matty Beneers with a couple of goals in the last couple of games. And uh, Jared McCann, he finishes it off in the empty net. Ellie Tolvanen, Jordan Uberle. Pasta opened the scoring. That was all that Boston would get. Looks like Lena Solmark, for whatever reason, he played three seconds. I don't know if he got injured or whatever here, Alec, on this end. But Jeremy Swayman with the brunt of it to finish it off. And uh, Joey Decord was the big winner. He had a great game, 36 out of 37. Another step for progressing to court could be that number one guy in Seattle. And, and I feel for every game that the court plays nicely at, we'll, have to, we'll continue to look at that Philip Grubauer contract. Yeah, I think you said it best on that side. We've been talking about that for years now, and I think that's the only thing that you can put against Ron Francis. So again, we won't go through the detail of all the goals, but we can just mention the names. So for the Stars, we talked about it a little bit. It was 4 nothing after 1. Sam Steele, Matt Duchesne, Craig Smith, and Wyatt Johnson. Then more Dallas. As is Miro Haskin in 5 nothing. Cole Smith made it 5-1. And Tommy Novak got it to 6-2. But Tyler Sagan, Matt Duchesne, Tyler Andrea, Wyatt Johnston, Alec, I know what the 9-2 scoreline says, but 
I know there are some fans, if you watch some of the stuff on uh, Shannon on the Hockey Guy on YouTube, he's excellent. But they say that uh, waiting for Dallas to have one of those breakout games, you didn't know if they ever played a full 60 minutes. They feel like they haven't played their best hockey yet. Well, look, Dallas is still 34-14-6 and in a 9 spot against Nashville. And when you look at the standings right now, let me just refresh this on the wild card spot, this is going to hurt the Predators because the Kings get a win. They're now up by four points. Blues have to hold where they are. But Nashville wants to get in the wild card, and you can't have games like these. You cannot, especially when you have another team that is competing for playoff positioning as well. The Kings, they get their, their win over the Devils and a much-needed one if they want to slow down their skid, which they have been doing low-key nicely at as of late with that 2-1 victory, but you need to be more consistent at it. Dallas, they're a well-oiled machine offensively in this game. Showed it and then some. Nine goals in a game that is full tips of the hat. Alec, I think one of the better teams in the second half so far, low-key, coming out of the break. And I didn't think I was going to say this because I thought that they would have been buried at one point. St. Louis Blues, they get a big win at the Enterprise Center, 6-3 over the Edmonton Oilers. Again, Dreisaitl and RNH get the goals. They lead 2-1 after 1. Robert Thomas answers with 1. Jake Neighbors, he's been hot of late, but Neighbors, Krug, Kairou, Pavel Buchnevich as they roll the Oilers in the second and they finish it off with a Brandon Sod empty netter. Do you think the St. Louis Blues are going to make the playoffs? Because if they keep playing this way, it certainly feels like it. Hey, John, my friend. I've spoken with Ian the other day when I mm -hmm. called the Dallas and Carolina game. We didn't expect this, this outcome to happen if the Blues are going to be in a playoff spot, but now it is a realistic possibility. St. Louis rolling with Drew Bannister, the head coach. Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo. That's a nice one-two punch at the top line. Plus, Jake Neighbors coming alive. Could get some Carter Trophy votes, perhaps. Yeah. But we don't know who's going to truly win it because Connor Bedard, he's making his return after missing the last few weeks. Matt Poach was out for the year. Leo Carlson missed time of injury. So it's basically anyone's trophy among the rest. Yeah, it is, and I'm glad that you said it that way, and you mentioned Ian on that side, because, you know, he follows along with the Blues, and I'm just going to look real quickly at their upcoming schedule. So Nashville, Toronto, New York Islanders, Detroit, Winnipeg, Edmonton. So they're going to have some tough games, but the way that they've been playing of late, I think Alec and I are pretty much telling you, don't count out the St. Louis Blues. They seem to be charging for that wild card spot. And again, one of those spots are going to be available because of a team that's been struggling of late. Yes, they did get the win today against the New Jersey Devils, so that helped me as a Red Wings fan. But let's just take the time, Alec, because I didn't get a chance to catch up with you the other day. They lost 7 nothing to the Buffalo Sabres. And normally, a 7 nothing loss it would be deflating for, your, for you and your playoff chances, but not for this Kings team on the response against New Jersey. Yeah, you drop one to Buffalo, or regroup, Mm -hmm. Just readjust your strategies. But I make I, I thought they made some adjustments, and they adjusted pretty well to New Jersey. With Lindy Ruff making some, uh, being a, one of the better coaches throughout his NHL career, still having yet to reach the mountaintop that is the Stanley Cup. But LA, it, it's not just New Jersey that they should be focusing on. It's the rest of their schedule. 
I would agree with that. I can go ahead and take a look at that as well on that side. They do have the Bruins upcoming on that end, so that is going to be a tough game. you got Pittsburgh, Columbus, Nashville, Anaheim, Edmonton, Calgary. They'll go back to the Canadian road trip, and then they'll get some time at uh, Crypto.com. So it'll be interesting to see what the LA Kings do during the deadline. I feel like they're going to have to try to add on this end because you don't want to lose what was essentially... Make sure that I get close to getting this right. Didn't they start like 13 1 and 1 on the road? And winning 11 straight on the road? Yeah. I think they did, yes. So this team kind of went through some fits and starts. Again, you fired Todd McClellan. You're trying to figure out some things. We've talked about PLD and what we thought about it. Uh, the LA Kings, they still have some hope, but it kind of feels like Jekyll and Hyde. I don't know which team I'm going to see every day, but that was a good bounce back win. I know we've talked about the Devils, and I'll throw this out there because I saw some rumors. I'm sure you saw the same thing. Jacob Markstrom still got a long time left on his deal. He's got several years left, but I heard something the other day, Alec, that they had Jacob Markstrom in the rumor mill that they wanted to send him to New Jersey. That's an interesting look. I know New Jersey's not the same defensive team that they were last year, considering they lost some key pieces in Ryan Graves and Damon Severson. Was it the long-term injury of Dougie Hamilton with prompting the early cop call of Shimon Nemec up there with Luke Hughes playing a full-time role for the first time in his NHL career? It's nice of him to get that experience, but it's just been a nightmarish season. Goaltending, we were expecting this from Akira Schmidt. And that VTEC Magic will be the one B to Schmidt. But it's just not panning out. Goaltending could be something to look at. Now, which version of Markstrom would they be getting if they get him? Would they be getting Vancouver Markstrom in 2020? Or will they be getting, if you're a goaltender, 10 to goal Markstrom? You hope that you get the Jacob Markstrom from a couple games ago when they took that loss against the New York Rangers. He made some ridiculous saves through that first period. It was the only reason why that game was close. That's what you're hoping for. But Jacob Markstrom, I believe, is already 32, 33 years old. So there's not a lot of time left. So I understand if you're Calgary, make that trade now and get the most value that you can for him. Otherwise, the contract is going to become more of an albatross. Six million's not a lot, but when you're getting six million on a 33-year-old compared to a 36 that's when things get a little bit different. So you're going to have to make the trade now. Tampa Bay Lightning get another big win. So that is going to handcuff the Red Wings even more. A third period spectacular for the Bolts. Again, it was Bo and Byram who opened the scoring. He had a couple. He had one in the second. They made a 2-2 in our tree and It's good to see him back out and playing again. 3-2 Colorado with the lead. But Braden Point, Kucherov, Stamkos, Kucherov, Sorelli, and Nick Perbix exchanged some empty netters, a 6-2 walloping for Tampa Bay over Colorado, who have not been hot coming out of the break, 28 out of 31 for the big cat, Andre Vasilevsky, and Justice Anunin got the start today, 33 out of 37. I'm not going to lie here, John. The Avalanche, their weakness is playing on the road for as strong as they are at home. But they are 13-13-4 on the road after this loss. Tampa's, their main strength is playing at home. It feels like a far cry from when they two faced off against each other in the Stanley Cup final right. because these two have very different rosters compared to the 2022 rosters in that final. But this game was actually closer than the final score looked. 6-3, 
was the final, but it was a one-score game until the final minute of regulation. All it took for it to not be a one-score game were the two empty netters. So these two played tight and competitive. Yes, they did, and you're right about the empty netters on that side as it got away toward the end part of it. Again, we talked about New Jersey maybe needing some goaltending help. Kind of wonder if the Colorado Avalanche, I don't think they can afford somebody like Jacob Markstrom, but they might be trying to find some sort of backup here because I don't think Anunin is going to be ready to play full time. That's just me. And Alexander Gurgiev kind of feels like he's been worked to death at this side because, again, when you have Pavel Francois that went with the injury, they would normally have him there, but they're not going to have him this year. The Ducks, they uh, really bludgeon the... Playing Molovlay at the Ottawa Senators, look, I know they buried themselves, Alec, on this side to start the year, but Ottawa has been playing well lately. But Pavel Minshikov, Frank Vetrano, Mason McTavish with a couple, Cam Fowler on the power play, Claude Giroux scores unassisted as the only goal for Ottawa. Uh, Frank Vetrano's got his 23rd, and it's on the power play. If I'm Pat Verbeek, I'm uh, trying to sell high on Frank Vetrano at the deadline. What say you? Yeah, sell him high, trade him when he has value. He has the most value among those. If you were to, it'd be a dealt at the deadline. You want to get as much young talent as possible on your team. So basically, you want to get more time to someone like Benoit Grohl or Braden Tracy on your prospect pool. So eventually they can be called up for the big minutes. Absolutely on that side. I saw there was an interesting goaltending split. I hope it wasn't an injury situation. John Gibson played 40 minutes, and Dolstall wrapped up the last 20. 18 out of 19 for Lucas, 15 out of 15 for John Gibson. They always talk about him every year as far as being a trade candidate, but that contract is going to be one that's really hard to move unless you're eating some money. Uh, other finals? I think the only other one that we didn't talk about, we know Austin Matthews had the hat trick. It was a 4-3 win for the Maple Leafs. So again, Maple Leafs win, Lightning win, Boston does lose, but... Everybody else behind there besides New Jersey, again, the Red Wings need these two points. I know some people will think I'm crazy and say, well, there's so many games left for Detroit, but I think those people don't understand that the schedule out in front of Detroit upcoming is uh, not very easy, so you cannot continue to uh, waste points. But the hottest team in the league, I'm going to say this right now, it's the Florida Panthers. 35-15-4, they won a 4 nothing game against Buffalo. It was Carter Verhage, Anton Lundell Verhage again, and Ryan Lomberg in the third on the par play at the very end. It was a 45-save shutout. Wow, what a performance for Anthony Stolarz. And on the other end, Eric Comrie takes the loss in 27 out of 30. But Florida, I don't know if they're going to get back to the Stanley Cup final, Alec, but I'll just say it now. I want them to because if they were fully healthy, if they didn't take all those injuries like they did in the seven-game grueling series against Boston, they still made the cup finals. They ran out of gas against Vegas. My point is this. If they were healthy, I felt like they could have lifted the cup, and hopefully they'll be healthy now because I think that they're just as good as they were last year. Yeah, just as good, and they're pick still picking up the pace from where they left off in the final. That physical play, which Paul Maurice, he has been preaching ever since last season, ever since they were down, uh, down and out of the playoff spot with 11 days to go into regular season, losing record by Christmas last season, that yelling match that happened, that they reserved for the adversity, the 3-1 series deficit. And now, in going back all 
see in the playoffs. Now they're the top seed in the Eastern Conference ahead of the Bruins. There was a time in which I thought that the Panthers, they can catch up to the Bruins. Now there is a realistic possibility that Florida can snatch the division away from the Bruins. Again, you called it. I'm looking at it now. As I refresh, Boston, same games played, 32-12-10, and 10, but Florida with the wins in regulation, that's going to get you your tiebreaker, 35-15-4 on that side. And I really think that there's going to be no signs of them slowing down. We talked about it over the last couple of years, Mr. Nava, on that side about Sergei Bobrovsky. Is he ever going to be the goaltender of old? Look, I know it was uh, Stolarz today. But uh, Big Bob has done his job in the goal crease, and Anthony Stolarz is, I'm not going to say come out of nowhere, but he certainly played very, very well, more than I even would have expected. That goaltending tandem looks good. The defense is picked up. you got Kachuk healthy. you got Barkov is still one of the best two-way players. And then when you have Verhege, you got Reinhardt, some other pieces in there. I mean, I really don't know who's better in the Eastern Conference than Florida. Uh, even more impressed for Stolarz is that he was coming off a major injury last season. Initially, I thought it was going to be Spencer Knight backing up sure. Sergei Bobrovsky. But now that Stolarz has the full-time job, Knight is wanting to get his confidence back after heading into the player assistance program. We need to see how he's doing down at the AHL with Charlotte. need to see his stats for the moment. But now that Stolarz, he may have secured that backup netminder role for Florida. Yeah, I think so. I don't think there's anything else that you'd want to take if you're going to play that convincingly and that well. I don't care who you got behind you on defense. That was a, a just a bucket full of saves that he made today, and that's a big-time performance. Uh, somebody who didn't have a big-time performance, you can't always blame him, though, is Sam Mountainbow. It was uh, 24 out of 31 as the Rangers, they come alive in the second period, and they close it out 7-4 and the victory over Montreal. They're doing the best that they can. You got Cole Caulfield with a couple on that one. Slavkovsky with another. I think he's got uh, 17 points in the last 21 games. He's certainly come alive. But Kreider, Will Cooley, Mika Zibanejad, Kreider again. Trocek, Kreider with a hat trick, and then Capo Kako. So it was all New York Rangers and an academic day for Jonathan Quick, who takes the win, stopping 31 on a 35. Props to Kreider on the hat trick, one of the best at deflecting shots in the league still to this day. He and Joe Pavelski, we can put up there at that elite category, is some of the best at net front deflections. But Yuri Slavkowski, am I seeing deja vu with Jack Hughes? Because it seems like the career path in which Slavkowski is going at is a little similar to year two Jack Hughes from what I've seen. I think that's a good call by you, Alec, and I think everybody in Montreal is going to be happy to hear that because I think there's too much to be said, and sometimes it was against Robo, Jason Robertson of the Dallas Stars. Everybody wants these guys to be Connor McDavid right on the jump, and they don't want to give them any seasoning, and then when they're not successful right away, they get written off too quickly. I think that's what happened with Yuri Slavkowski. Still a very young player. He's starting to play very well, and Montreal is going to get another high draft pick, and they should be in good standing soon. And just before we get back into this game, we have one last final score to go over. Ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has just left Chicago. Sidney Crosby, two goals. Penguins get the win, 4-1. 
Good work there for the Pens. He definitely needed that. Finish it off for Sidney Crosby. I want to see them continue to add more. Can you please take this second period, or do you want me to continue to work it? Yeah, I'll go on with this. Second period. Here we go. Red Wings on the power play. I am Alec Nava, joined here by John Ott. The Red Wings and the Canucks. The Canucks were the best teams, if not the best team, in the entire NHL. They have the best record and stand at the top of the league with 78 points ahead of the likes of the Florida Panthers and the Boston Bruins. Here's Sider, left circle, probably did a point. That was actually out to break it. Shot from Patrick Kane at the far side of the right circle that was turned aside. 15 left on the man bash. Sider's going to wait. Now he fires this one up high after this block, and Lindholm will pick this up. Fired around Sider, and this power play is going to run out. The Red Wings... Seeing all three of their power plays killed off by the Canucks after having that great first man advantage. Sider's going to walk this himself. Long shot, easily turned away by Demko. Sider's going to pick up his own puck. A Vancouver intercepts. At the far side, I believe it's Besser. Yes, it is Besser. Miller feeds it right back to him. Brock Besser, left point. Going to look. Fire a long shot. Was tipped in front. Tutter in front. And Lyon had to get back to the left pole to turn that side with his left pad. And the left point, Quinn Hughes enters through the left circle. Right out in front, this one deflected, and Lyon was in the way. Hughes gets it right back. This one skipped over her own stick. On the foot races, J.T. Comper, and on a load! Comper save! Demko! Comper right back for Larkin. Larkin fires, and Demko to save! And Bezzer gets this one out. A sequence of great stops by Badger Demko as he is continuing to shut down the Red Wings. Inside is Lucas Raymond. Kept away by Morodic, and I think there's a loose glove onto the ice. That was Niels Hoaglander. I believe there's going to be a penalty against the Red Wings. If this is, yes, it is going to be a delayed penalty. Maybe a slash because the glove came off. Quinn Hughes drops back and then receives a feed at the top of the right circle. He exchanges spots with Miller. Tic-tac-toes, top center point. Hughes to Miller. Miller continues to survey options. They're setting up with Hughes on the left side. Hughes is just going to fire it around through the boards, and this goes all the way back to Vancouver's end. And the Red Wings are just going to skate slowly to this puck where David Perron punches, and now he gets the call. Looked like there might have been a hook or something that knocked off the glove hand, as Alec Nava said. Looked like it might be even a hit to the mouth, and now we get a chance at the Valley Sports Detroit feed. But it was a Bronx cheer from the crowd at Rogers on that side. Is Petrie going to go to the box, a high stick? That'll be uh, his second penalty, and uh, that's not going to look too good. Again, just the side for the infractions there for Petrie. I shouldn't say penalty. The first goal was kind of against him on that side. But a double minor is to get blood against Niels Hoagliner, so four-minute power play. Yeah, yeah, there was blood coming out of Hoaglander, and when you, Yeah, you can see the blood as well. So it's going to be four minutes. They're going to review it as well, but the, the four-minute double minor, in my opinion, should stand. Would you agree? I would. There's blood all over on that side. Again, Petrie had a rough game on the first goal, and now you take the penalty. Again, the Red Wings had three power play opportunities. we talked about it all day so far through this broadcast. Didn't look good. They were kept on the outside. Now we get a chance to see the Vancouver Canucks work with the extra man on the ice. And uh, this is danger territory here for the Red Wings on this side because if the Canucks go up by three, you could easily write this game off. So I'm looking at it now. And no attempt to play the puck, just hit Hoaglander right in the mouth. And that's an easy call. Yeah, yeah, and not only is it no attempt to play the puck and hitting him, 
But if he was trying to play the puck, there was the notion that he swung and missed on it and then hit Hoagland yeah. right up at the face. Not a good look at all on that side, and unfortunately, I hate to say that for the local side, because I used to work at Orchard Lake St. Mary's in high school doing some hockey stuff, but sometimes when you watch Jeff Petrie, I want to uh, scratch my head. I know he's a local guy and all that, but there is a lot left to do here, Alec, with the Red Wings defensive core going forward. Yeah, a lot. A point of emphasis that they were to improve on it. Yeah, we saw some glimpses of Simon Edvinson last season. He was supposed to be on the lineup to start this season, but an early season injury had him going to Grand Rapids to begin the year. Yes. We have not seen a lot of him this season. At the left circle, Vancouver setting up on their man of one of the most dangerous in the entire NHL, Quinn Hughes. And the right side, Elias Pedersen. Pedersen serving, Lindholm setting up at the front of the net. JT Miller receives him down low. Now this goes all the way back to the point. Could not be settled down by Hughes. Pedersen helps him out, so does Lindholm, and Miller can sell this down nicely. Pedersen, on to Miller. Miller to the forehand, and Lyon turn it away. Now Lois Lindholm, this goes back to Quinn Hughes. At the at, at the left circle is Brock Besser. I, I apologize if I stumbled on that. Hughes now, center point, goes back to Besser. Tic-tac-toe, Pedersen, bend on his shot. In trouble is Rasmussen, but Rasmussen does clear it out all the way on the backhand. So there's one thing for the Red Wings on this penalty kill. Vancouver now. Up for the lane. Hughes is looking. Larkin is watching. And Larkin trips up Hughes. I don't know if Demko's going to go to the bench. I, I don't oh know. I don't see an extra attacker out just yet. But Mikheyev is inside on the backhand. controlled by Vancouver. Around they go. Horonic at center point. Goes back up. No extra attacker is out there. Not calling the penalty. Garland up for the middle on this deflected pass. This goes to Suter, around for Holgrender, waiting at the far side. Half ball is Garland. Garland with this puck. Center out for Mikheyev, back for Horonic. A look center point. Goes back for Garland. Garland to the net. Might have been kicked up high by Holgrender, and it goes out of play. But that missed call would have seemed to be a trick. Did they not call it? No, they didn't, Alec, and again, I was uh, holding my breath on that side because Dylan Larkin got the legs of Quinn Hughes very clean. He did not get the puck. That could have easily been called, and uh, the Red Wings would have been on a five-on-three. So very fortunate for Detroit. They got a break. Oh, yeah, you can breathe a sigh of relief. Echo that out. So most players with 10-plus goals this season, how about the Red Wings and the Canucks with 11 balanced scoring across the board? That is truly a balanced scoring mechanism as the Vancouver Canucks hit their first unit back on the ice. That shot was blocked in front. It was going on the way to Alex Lyon. And a long shot by Clint Hughes. Rebound is in front. Swept away by Detroit. Pedersen will pick it up, though. Miller now behind the net. Off for Pedersen. Back to the point where it's Hughes. Hughes walking over to the left side. Cross-side speed for Pedersen. Right back for Hughes. Hughes fires one. And this may have caught one of the referees after bouncing off a Lyon. Hughes just keeps it in on this pass that looked like it was going to go out. Pedersen was stymied. Detroit is happy to have this go out on this missed pass. But there was one defender that was there in the area to force that pass to be off the mark. Michael Rasmussen watching Quinn Hughes as he drops back. Up this goes now for Miller and now Lindholm. To the right side, Pedersen will just drop it back for Hughes. Left side, Besser. Besser will drop back once again. Hughes is waiting there. Right back for Besser at the half wall, and then around for the boards. 
giving over Lindholm and now Patterson. Elias Patterson drops back, shoved away. Miller has it. On to Hughes. Center point. 105 to go. Miller's there. Cross ice feet. Brock Besser out in front. It was a skate in the way that denied that shot from getting tipped in. 101 to go. Power play. 1434 second period. Man, that was just tipped up into the netting there. It looked like the Vancouver power play was starting to hum with those passes in between the left and right dot. I guess the Red Wings did a good job just being able to get in the lane. Mata gets the block there. Probably stops Pedersen from sneaking it in near the right side post. Yeah, gotta feel, they gotta be happy that Mata is out into the ice for this defensive possession. A defensive-minded defenseman dating back to his days with the Penguins. Last minute of this man advantage of the double minor, Philip Oronek. It's just going to drop this back. Pierce Suter at his own end, going up left to right. The Canucks and the throwback jerseys. Suter. And it'll go cross ice on this pass for Darwin. Darwin can't track the puck. Rasmussen can. And he clears it out with some help from what I believe was 24 clean costin. Here's Oronek. And escape this up. Backed up by Fisher. Aronic dropping it back now across the red line. And moving up to the right side of the ice is Garland. And a fired around. And then right back around for the boards. Across on the other side. Waiting there is Garland the half wall. Garland waiting for options. Doesn't have one there as he is matched up. And then he's stripped of the puck by Chirot. On goes Fisher. Short-headed. Christian Fisher. Save by Demko. So you talk about the short the goalie who is short-handed making the big stops. How about the goalie who's on the power play making the big stops? What a stop there from Demko. Long shot everyone. Hoglander in tight. He couldn't find the back of the net. He gets it right back at the high slot. Now left point. Across. Sonorov can't handle. Joseph can. Around the boards for Lafferty. This was intended to. Lafferty sweeps this on his backhand back for Joseph. Joseph's waiting at the right point. Across for Sonorov. His two-game suspension already over. Zadorov flips it around for the boards. It's behind that, but it goes to Lafferty one more time. The ex-lead and ex-Blackhawk. Back for Jolson. Tapped around the boards one more time before Chirot intercepts and finds it for Mata. Back to Chirot this goes. Up for the half-wall far side. Detroit clears. Bolano was shut off as he tried to sweep it further into the Vancouver zone, allowing Niels Amen to get this back up. This took a bounce. A favorable one to Laverty. Laverty shoots it. Block with a stick. And on the other way, come the Red Wings on a two-on-two. The Brinkett stops at the near side half wall. Is shut off by Pedersen and Myers. Coming in is the late man, Ward Sider. Around for the Brinkett at the near side. Back for Woman. The Brinkett had a bounce off his stick. And now in control of the near corner. Back for Patrick Kane. The two former teammates in Chicago. Kane passes it out of the zone. Everyone has to regroup. This takes a bounce off the loose stick. I don't know if it's broken or not, but it's loose under the ice. The notion is that it is broken or that one of the players has already went under the bench decide not to pick up that, that stick. Vancouver's in the joint zone. Moronic on to Hughes. It's dangerous one to parry. Wired with the save on the long shot by Hughes. Snyder tries to clear it out for Comfort, and Comfort taps it out. New guys onto the ice. Walking it in is Shane Goss's bear. Gosses Bear spun around and dispossessed as he couldn't find the open man. But Vancouver gives it right back to Detroit. Patriots setting up Wallman and then right back. Jeff Petrie up front. Andre Sprung and then tapped in front going after this puck is Patriot. One of the members of the Montreal Canadiens and then a shot in front. How did Demko stop that? How did 
His sixth shot that he had to save. It was pinballed out in front. Daniel Sprung tries to turn near the left side as Petrie was able to get a stick on it. Daniel Sprung trying to fire from the left side red line. And Demko makes a fantastic save. Look, the shot board's very limited. Vancouver's up on a 10-6. And you would think it would sound like, Alec, that there's not a lot of action. But there has been. There's been a lot of shot blocks. There's been a lot of uh, power play time for both of these squads. And a lot of near misses. It's been a busy game for the defense, and that was a great save for Demko there. You can say it's a more defensive game for both sides, not only for Vancouver, but also Detroit. The type of game that the Red Wings want to see from their defense. Even though the first two goals were a pain, the defense has stepped up in a big way in this second period. Yeah, and you think it had to, Alec, and I think it's easy to say this, but I'll give you the, the rope for this. You think after what happened to them in that third period, knowing that the game was tied against the Oilers, defense was going to be something that they really wanted to hammer home going into the game tonight, correct? Yep, I, I would agree with you there. So that's just one of those things that are easy because for the Vancouver Canucks, we know how good they are. 36-12-6 and six. as we're in the middle of the commercial break. I'll just throw this out to you again. So JT Miller unassisted off of a long wrist shot goal that went into the left and right post. And then Lindholm in between the legs of Wallman for Elias Pettersson, almost near the same side, almost near the same spot, just before the left side faceoff dot made it two nothing, and that's still where they stand right now. Thatcher Demko seven out of seven, Alex Line eight out of ten. Really, none of those goals you can put on Alex Line right now. Those were unstoppable shots, but I do agree with Alec. It's been a good defensive showcase so far, and we will see if it continues because. I don't think Detroit can afford to give up another goal right now. No, especially since as Vancouver, they have one of the best, if not the best, one-two center punch per statistics this season in JT Miller and Elias Pettersson. They're tied at third for most points by center by natural position with 70, just behind Connor McDavid with 80, and Nathan McKinnon, who's making himself a heart trophy case with yeah. 89 points and has yet to have a scoreless home game. Dylan Larkin said, and on the armpit was Patrick Demko to make this stop. And that was a nice shot there for Dylan Larkin, able to get some time and measure near the left side dot. Good save for Thatcher Demko. I saw this was being reported by Valley Sports Detroit. I didn't see it today, but in uh, I think it was 2025 next year. It looks like uh, the Red Wings and the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to play a game at uh, Ohio State Buckeye Stadium. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we were wondering if we would get more stadium series games at college football stadiums. We had one just last season at NC State University's Carter Finley Stadium between the Hurricanes and the Capitals. Ian and I covered that game. They Canucks. They're not 2 one. Carla Drag! And this one shot wide. Just when I was talking about. The stadium series, right on cue. It Canucks go two on one. They shot it wide. But Carolina, they did have that college football stadium for the stadium series. And next year, the Blue Jackets will have that same exact case. Backhand pass onto the point. Moroni in the zone. This shot blocked in front. Mata swept it away from behind the net. Perron picks it up. David Perron tied up. Vancouver all over him. Niels Hoaglander takes it away. Hoaglander spinning and turning. At the far corner, passing it backwards. It's intended man. Saw it get blocked off on a stick. Quinn Hughes takes it away from Rasmussen. Hughes up front and intercepted. Here come the Red Wings. Two on two. Fisher's going to wait. And then fire it back 
And then a long shot to the left point was set wide. Wallman holds it from the deep left point. Cross ice pass Cider. This one blocked away of a forward chop block on a stick. And now inside, this is Mikheyev. Mikheyev blocked off on the shot by Cider. And it's swept up by Costin. Puck bouncing over at center ice. Fisher picks it up from the red line. Backwards for Cider. 9.33 to go in the second period. Vancouver's up 2-0. Flipped in on the backhand by Cider, was picked up by the ex-saber Tyler Myers. For the near side, is fed for Pedersen. Pedersen had it bounced off of several bodies, and Kane was in some trouble. Vancouver takes it away. Myers is in the final year of his current contract as the Canucks flipped this inside. Many question about the contract move by Jim Benning back then, but maybe some redemption perhaps. As he is offered to, as he is being asked to do less under or talk it on the second period between him and Ian Cole. Myers keeps it in, but can't do much with that. Across, this goes to Goss's Bear. Goss's Bear up for it. The intended pass too far, and it Canucks look to bring it up. Sam Lafferty can't handle it. 843. On to the cat, the Brinkett. Alex the Brinkett to the far side, being controlled by Kane on this long stretch pass. It was bouncing off Kane's stick. Demko plays it out. This was dangerous but managing it safely and effectively to Bluger. Calm, cool, and collected under the pressure. Third line looking a bit different because Dakota Joshua is the only one that is not healthy tonight. He is injured, being taken over by Ilya Mikheyev at the third line left wing spot, prompting Niels Holgwender to be elevated in the top line. Darwin's head! And a save by Lyon. Held in by Bluger. Bluger fires one. Save Lyon. Losing a slot. It'll bounce over to... The break in. Do we have something here? A penalty, perhaps, with 804. I'm going to see right now because Alec Vision is a little bit ahead of me here. It looks like we do have a penalty called, and I think it's going to go against Detroit when we come back. 804 left to go on the second. Alex Lyon with a couple of good saves. It looks like when they get the shots in close, he's not been able to be beat right now, just the ones on the outside. But again, as it looks, it's uh, shot boards about 12 to 8. There's not a lot going on in the shot board, even though we said there was some uh, power play time and some blocks and some defensive plays. But if this continues this way, where we go maybe, I don't know, two, two and a half minutes per shot for a chance on goal, that's not going to benefit the Red Wings here. They need to start getting some things going as we get close to entering the second. And the one thing I will say before I hand it back to you, that Jake Wallman slapper that you had in the mix of the action was 102 miles an hour as it missed the net. Oh, I, I don't know if Deacon registered that for hardest shot contest, but <laughs> I, I feel that they are not going to allow because it has to be on net for it to be counted. But one or two miles an hour is certainly worth no, noting. But in terms of penalties, I spoke way too soon. They, they ruled it that was play of a high stick. Okay, so it's definitely a... Uh benefit there for the Red Wings on that side. I thought that that was going to be the case, that it could go against them. Again, the power play situation, the Red Wings are 0 for 3. The Canucks definitely had a couple with the double minor. I don't know if that counts as one or two, but they missed it with Jeff Petrie on a chance. So still 8 for 8 for Demko. Still 10 out of 12 for line with a couple saves going into the break. 8.04 left in the second. I don't know what's going to change right now in this defensive show, and I will say this, I'm impressed, Alec, with the Vancouver Canucks in their defensive game in this one. They definitely look like they're not trying to play uh, free and open, and depending on Demko to bail them out, they're really locking it down, and I like what I'm seeing from Vancouver. And even better for them as 
I'm seeing this from the Sportsnet feed. Of the 27 games they have left, 16 of them will be at their home ice. And just five of them are outside the Pacific time zone. So they get the added benefit of having West Coast advantage. Yeah, and Alec, real quick, because I have this in front of me, from March 9th to 31st, that's when they'll be at Rogers. It's a nine-game homestand, so pretty much all of March on home ice. <laughs> icing here against Detroit. We have not seen an icing here in quite a long time. In fact, very few icings here in this game. So basically, a queen game, only icing the puck when they're on penalty kill situations. Yeah. Yeah, you've had a uh, action sent right on top of you here with little stoppages at all. As I'm looking at Patrick Kane on this side on the Red Wings end, he's been really good since joining the team. I know the plus, minus, the wins, and the points might not be there as far as uh, winning in the standings, but the points as far as his uh, particular numbers, Alec, are good. So the offensive dynamo that he has been throughout his, his career. It took this long to get him on the team because of surgery and the yeah. offseason around his hip. It was not 100% with the New York Rangers, and he admitted as to such as the offseason surgery as Lyon makes the save. It's going to be another foot race for the puck. Quinn Hughes signals icing. It is an icing, so another face-off at the Red Wings zone has two straight icings. That was a fantastic save for Alex Lyon. He marked that one down as Quinn Hughes almost able to get the shot and get all the way down. He stretched out the left pad. There was a gigantic rebound, and I think the Red Wings had no choice but to ice that one. Yeah, yeah, given that they were being trapped all over their own zone, they had no choice but to get it all the way out, even if it means they're risking tired bodies onto the ice because Vancouver's been hounding them in these last two sequences. And they still continue on here. Behind that is Lindholm as they get you guys onto the ice. Siders all over this, and then a wraparound doesn't go as planned as Elias Pedersen. They score! It was from Pedersen! But it's Nikita Zadorov from the left point. Pedersen initially wants to wrap it around. Zadorov, long blast, and that's the third long shot that results in a Canucks goal. Yeah, they definitely got the book on line there. I know Dylan Larkin, I'm looking with his head up in disgust. You got Zadorov being able to celebrate. We've seen him do a lot of that with the uh, Calgary Flames from time to time. But right off that draw, Larkin won the puck. And then it was sent to Cider, and I, I think he kind of threw like a a wounded duck pass that was like easily just red for the Canucks. They pick it off and then they wrap it around and then Zadorov gets a chance from distance. That's just not a good pass there for Moritz Sider and it ends up in the back of the net. No, it's not. Especially since Zadorov, he saw the smallest of holes to fire yes. at. And that was right when Jake Wallman, he screened his own goaltender with some help from another ex-flame, Elias Lindholm, to make it a free nothing hockey game. As Vancouver, they're at their own zone. Tyler Myers, pursued by Andrew Cobb. It's been all Vancouver thus far. Covered the Canucks three times this season. They won one at, at the site. That was against the Florida Panthers on Roberto Luongo's Vancouver Hall of Fame induction with the Canucks. The other one I covered was a 4 nothing loss to the Boston Bruins. In which the Bruins, they scored one goal. In a, in a very weird way, broke its stick and it somehow found the back of the net off the initial shot. In the meantime, as Vancouver's in their own zone, I don't know how this happened. Never mind! A turnover! Detroit fires and out of play! I'm going to chance to look at it now. Backhanded turnover and wow, that was a good stick save for Thatcher Demko. As they almost pound the stick against the glass, it came pretty close there, but Demko able to shut the door, so... 
This could be the kill shot goal with 6.14 left to go in the second. And I'm going to say something that Red Wings fans don't like over the last couple of days, but I'm just being honest. I hear a lot about Dylan Larkin needing to be on the second line of a good team in order to be a Stanley Cup champion. Maybe Moritz Sider needs to be a second line defenseman if he continues to make passes like that. Well, who knows? But looking back to that Boston-Vancouver game, I don't know how it is about the Bruins firing with a broken stick from David Pasternak and it somehow goes to the back of the net off some weird bounces. Yeah. It just happens, and sometimes in games like this, regardless of it, if you find a way, they'll get the job done against some good teams. You get those bounces, and they score. It makes it even worse. <laughs> There's some lucky bounces, especially on that third goal by the Bruins. Inside is Kane. He's going to look at the half wall, drop back. This is Ben Chirot walking the point. Exchange box. Chirot in front. Loose puck. Cover has it. He scores. Draw from distance, and then Comfer able to pick that one up as Heronic was down. I don't know if it's going to be enough, but that's what the Red Wings need. I, Alec, I think they're going to need one more here before the end of this period. And I'm sure Vancouver doesn't want to get to the same point. Wasn't it 3 nothing? They had the lead, and the Red Wings came back in 1-4-3. You don't want deja vu here. If you're Vancouver, shut it down. But if you're the Red Wings, you got 5.36 left. you got to get another one here in the second period. You don't want the sense of deja vu. It actually wasn't 3 nothing. It was 3-1. But you do not want deja vu to happen looking back at last game when you have the Red Wings tied up after being down by two goals, but two Burger goals. The Red Wings know how to come back, but they need to thrive on playing from in front and not playing from behind. Yeah, and just before you get back into it, Alec, I want to mention for J.T. Confer for that shot, that was a good stick chop by Patrick Kane to be able to make that goal happen. Good work. Good, nicely done of Kane to keep this in the zone to get the opportunity in first happening. Zadorov has it, the last goal scorer for the Canucks. Break out, this goes to Miller. Miller is all tied up by several Red Wings, including Raymond. Turn over here. Raymond has it over to Sprong. Now Lork is walking around. Cross-eyes pass. This misses Sprong. Back to Wallman at the left point. Wallman winds and takes it. Sprong is going to survey for the point. Just fires it wide of that intentionally to Raymond. Raymond from the left circle. Fires it above the net. And this goes to Wallman. Now a long-range shot. This caught someone. But landed safely onto Demko. And this will stop play at 4.37. We'll go to break. Man, Daniel Sprong. That pass from the left side dot. If he didn't have to collect that between his legs, I'm pretty sure he's slamming it top left cheesing into an open net as we go to break. He came that close. Just so close to make it a one goal game. Just oh, so close and it just slipped. Just wasn't able to crawl the puck again. We're going to have a uh, surprise and score line. I'm sure that Cooper Hopkins is busy so he couldn't join us on this side. But he might not be in a good mood. The Sharks have a 5-2 lead, apparently, at the Saddle Dome against the Flames. Oh, boy. I know the Sharks, we expected them to be bad. And I feel this is a good stepping stone for the Sharks to build more confidence around. It is a 5-2 hockey game, but 5-2 after Nazem Kadri at the first goal. That's a big shock. 
It is, and I, I do feel unfortunate. I don't get a chance to watch Dustin Wolf a lot. I imagine you haven't either, Alec, on this side. But it's a good opportunity for him to get some playing time, and you want to expect a little bit better than 20 out of 25, especially against San Jose, who struggles to score, and uh, Philip Zadina, who's got a pair of goals, who I do remember, again, no disrespect to Philip Zadina, but he said he was going to make all the other GMs pay by uh, putting the puck in the opponent's nets. He does have seven goals on the season now, but back-to-back -back goals for Zadina, and the game might be out of reach now, as they're also on the power play. Yeah, yeah also that, but later on, as we go over to our next break, we could be going over some NBA scores, because they're just three games there. We're set to return. We have two fighting scores in the NBA, both decided by one possession. We'll definitely have to check those out. We're looking at uh, Connor Bedard in the full face mask. Was he actually playing today? I think I saw him on the ice. Yeah, he made his return to the ice for Crosby versus Bedard, round two. Old guard versus next gen. <laughs> Very cool to see. I think that's good Good timeliness for Connor Bedard. And for him to get back on the ice to play against his idol, Sidney Crosby, the man he grew up watching during his youth. And it must be a nice feeling to play against your idol. You got the win against the first time around, and now it's a road-and-road road victory for the Blackhawks and the Penguins in this season series. With the Blackhawks winning at Pittsburgh, the Penguins winning at Chicago. Shot wide, intentionally, and Cole shoots around, intending for Hoaglander. Went home, tried to pass it in front for Patterson. This bounced off a stick. Myers keeps on for Cole. Long shot made his way to Lyon at the right pad. Keeping it says Hoaglander. Hoaglander's just going to tap it backwards for Lindholm. Lindholm's looking. Former fifth overall pick for the Carolina Hurricanes. At the near corner for Pedersen, now Hoaglander. Tied up by Comfort behind the net. Finds Pedersen, and it goes back to the point for Cole. Cole returns for Pedersen. Backhand shot blockered away by Lyon. And Woman shaking up a bit. He's still out there on the ice. He took a big shot. And then down is Little after two checks. Puck is over to the right point to Tyler Myers. This one nearly intercepted by Woman, who is pumping it out. And at the half wall, Patrick Kane sweeps it all the way to the Vancouver zone. And then the Brinkett, finding it back for Kane. Kane is looking, turning around and firing it around with the boards. Myers is there at first, but Andrew Kopp jumped on it to take it back for Detroit. Faked a long shot from Gossip's Bear. Slowed down was Rasmussen as we get some line changes. Kopp is out there, tied up by Quinn Hughes. Rasmussen joined there, but Hughes got away from Rasmussen. And it's out all the way to Detroit zone with 2.51 in the second. Detroit got the last goal. They're down by two as Vancouver leads 3-1. Rasmussen all tied up by Hughes and gets it out for DiGiuseppe. Phil DiGiuseppe with cop all over him. Rasmussen a little shove, but not a really hard one on Hughes. Effective though, but Hughes has it. At center ice, NGP was tapped in. Off a stick, so no icing. Olimata from his own zone. The pass is center, bounced off a skate, and this goes bouncing back for the Red Wings. They'll have to start up once more. Shots 15-12, Vancouver, as the entry feed went on to Lucas Raymond, was shoved away by Nikita Zadorov, dispossessing him. JT Miller sets up Pierre Suter at the near wall. Near the penalty box, too far on the pass, and then the Red Wings right back, another pass that went too far. Vancouver gets his nail with two to go on the period. Shoved down was one of the Red Wings, I believe, that was top or Charat, pardon me. Here's Petrie, though. 
collecting this loose puck. On to center ice where this is dumped into the near corner. Picking this up now is Moronic. Moronic backhand is over to the far wall. It's kept in by the Red Wings. Dylan Larkin can't get a clean shot off. 140 to go in the second. Red Wings looking for a second straight come from behind victory against the Canucks. And this play whistled dead because I believe there was a high stick. Jake Wallman, speaking of high stick, I think that's what he took because they're showing him near the bench now. Again, he dropped like a sack of potatoes in the middle of the circles and he's in a little bit of discomfort on the Red Wings bench right now with 136 left in the middle frame. I felt that some Red Wings fans, they would be a little bit salty that no penalty was called on Pedersen, but it felt like it was hard to see if there was exactly going to be a penalty. Yeah, it was definitely, you just saw the reaction here. They're showing Raymond on the other side now. And it looks like Raymond uh, broke his stick going to the bench against Nikita Zadorov for some reason. So he was upset. And Garland's shot. Hit the side of that. And Elias with the stake. He's just going to cover this one. I'm seeing that there are all sorts of Canucks that are hounding him. He was under duress, so he made the smart choice. Yeah, you pointed out, John. Broken stick. Yeah, Alex Lyon, good work there. I mean, he was under siege, as you said, on this side as they're showing Raymond one more time. Something happened with him and Zadorov that they keep cutting to in this game, not even just last Saturday. But Lyon was under duress. Again, we talked about the Red Wings' defense. We talked about some of the goaltenders there between Husso, Reimer, and Lyon. There's a lot of other things. Zadorov got a clean hit on Raymond and then gave him an extra cross check, which he didn't like. He did not like that one bit. Coming into the final minute as Quinn Hughes fires this up high. 107 to go is held in by Lindholm and held in again after this bounced up a body. Vancouver still walking for the zone. In this final minute of the second period, they lead 3-1. Quinn Hughes to the high slot on his back end. Now turning around, shooting one. This rebound comes to Oglander. He can't get the shot away as there were two Red Wings hit on him. Hughes across for Heronic. Heronic and this one kicked by Oglander. This stays in the field of play. 43 seconds to go. And the Red Wings, they get this all the way down. Patrick Kane walking to Vancouver zone. We'll drop it back over to the Brinkin. This pair of former Blackhawk teammates batted down by Comfort, a baseball move, as the Brinkin goes back to left point for Cider. One-timer by Wallman. This one took a block by one of the Vancouver players. Comfort holds it. On for the Brinkin, now Kane. Kane at the right circle. And fired across, and then Jeff Patriot. That was stopped by Demko. Lifted all the way down. This is Elias Pedersen. No breakaway as Jeff Petrie collects this. No icing here as this was waved off. Five seconds as the Red Wings want to get one last chance. I don't fear they're going to get one. They're not going to get one last chance. And triple zero shows to end off this second period. Vancouver leads 3-1 after 40 minutes of action. Good work, Alec, in that second period. Again, I know I made some pointing comments. Maybe some fans won't agree with. I think I might do so now again over the last couple days. And to keep in mind, again, I am watching the Edmonton Oilers and Vancouver Canucks over the last couple days, so they are the real deal teams in the NHL. But it just seems to me like this game, I will give credit to Vancouver with the defensive effort, and Demko has made some stout stops. But it really does look like, Alec, that Detroit is looking for the perfect setup, perfect opportunity, and there are probably some chances of the rush that they're just not electing to take tonight. No, you, you feel like they're just missing out on some chances. The, the best one they got was the JT Comfort one, and of course they capitalized on it. When there's an opening, you have to take it. It feels like the Red Wings, 
at times they feel like they're trying to be too perfect yeah. on these chances. If you, you sometimes you have to act on your gut. That's what I'm seeing now. Like it's completely different role reversal from what we saw from Tuesday. I understand the defensive effort's been better, and maybe look. This is a situation where we just talked about in the second period chances off the rush where Vancouver leads in the NHL for, you know, breaks the other way. If a team gets a shot, they'll come back down and punch it in the mouth and score. Maybe that's another thing for Derek Lalonde and the coaching staff to be thinking about. But I agree with you, Alec, and that's why I pointed out I don't think the Red Wings need to be gun-shy. In this third period, they better get some more workload here on Demko, or I don't think the result's going to change. Vancouver's going to take two points today. It feels like it. I agree with you, John. So let's look at the uh, NBA scoreboard. You got me intrigued. I'm going to pull that up. Yeah, yeah, to start being soft, how about an upset to begin with? The Milwaukee Bucks have been slipping in the Doc Rivers era. They dropped this one 113-110 to the John Morant-less, Jaron Jackson-less Memphis Grizzlies. Well, Alec, all that does is give more people ammunition to talk. You know what about Doc Rivers? You can't lose that game if you're Milwaukee. Yeah, you, you can't, especially since you, yeah, you make the coaching change from Adrian Griffin, right. which I feel, even though for as bad as the Bucks defense has been, I feel you want to keep Griffin for the, for the rest of the season to see how year one of things can go with him. Give him a proper opportunity. It, it shouldn't be just one and done midway through the season if we were to go at that. Alec, I thought I heard, again, this is speculation, Giannis Tenekumbo is not going to go out there and say it, but him and Adrian Griffin had some disagreements during some play calling, and you could see them shouting at each other sometimes when you're watching the games, but weren't they second in the East at that time by the time that he was fired? The only other team that was better was the Boston Celtics, and then look, we know about Doc Rivers, and I understand the championship that you got with the Boston Celtics, but that was such a long time ago, and this is a much different league now, and how many times, again, I'm not going to say it's going to happen to the Milwaukee Bucks again, how many times are you going to get in a situation when you're up in a series and you lose, or you have expectations and you don't get the job done, Doc Rivers loves the coach, he might be a nice enough guy, but I don't know if he's going to be the coach that's going to put you over the edge. Yeah, the Clippers can tell that first hand, yeah, two Blown 3-1 series leads under under Rivers. 2015 against the Rockets. 2020 in the bubble against the Nuggets. Then you go on to Philadelphia where you score under two opportunities to take a game seven against the fifth-seeded Atlanta Hawks and a Celtics team that went on to score you 28-3 to at one point in that game seven in, in last season. I mean, what, what, I, I don't know what the plan is for Milwaukee moving on from Griffin. Yeah, there were disagreements between Giannis and Griffin, but I, I don't like this move that they made. What did you think about the Damian Lillard move when it was first made? I felt that I had concerns with defensive side, the defensive side, the Bucks when they, they made the move. Yes, it's going to improve the offense, because from what was seen in the last year of Drew Holiday, the offense was suffering decline. Chris Middleton, he's on decline as well, and it's fallen from second option to third option. You need to get a second option who is at his peak at the now, and that's why you want to make the trade for Lillard. I understand the trade, but it's going to give you a cost on the defensive side. It showed during the season. I agree with you completely. I'm kind of split 
on that end as far as it look you got to be able to keep Giannis happy because Giannis can say I want out at some point even though he's the type of guy that wouldn't do it but again his play on the court today 15 out of 17 35 points 12 assists and it still wasn't enough as they lost 113-110 as Alec mentioned 27 points let me make sure that I get this name correct from Zaire Williams he only averages 7.6 so what's that all about <laughs> I mean he was trusted to the starting lineup because of the absence of Triple J Jaron Jackson Jr. and also GG Jackson with 27 points off the bench 10 of 17 shooting he stepped up ever since as John Morant went down so has Vince Williams Jr. who had 18 points 12 rebounds and seven assists, looking like an all-round guard, stepping up in the ass of Marcus Smart. Look, I'm just going to go through the names here real quick, and I'm not trying to be disingenuous or anything, because maybe I don't follow the NBA as much as I should, but just the starting five today, Semi Aldama, Zaire Williams, you have Trey Jemison, and then you have Goodwin, and let me make sure I get this correct on this end, Vince Williams Jr., and you lose in your Milwaukee. That's why we're talking about Doc Rivers and the team in the way that they are. That cannot happen. This should have been an automatic W. And I remember there was one time in which the Brooklyn Nets, they were, what, 19-point underdogs against the Bucks in the bubble. <laughs> and they won that game. Yeah, I guess we can say, like in the NHL, the NBA, anything can happen in a given night, and you got to be able to keep teams full of respect. But that is not a good look. I'm going to go into a game in progress because I believe we do have one more final. But it looks like the Minnesota Timberwolves are at least doing what they're supposed to be doing right now. They're up 14 in Portland right now. Anthony Edwards has got 20. I still think this is a guy that could be a future MVP someday. I really do believe in his game. He's that good. Maybe a second version of Kobe. That's the way Anthony Edwards kind of plays and I like it. You got 25 and two steals and a block for Edwards. You got 18 points from the Cat, nine for Gobert with 10 rebounds. And then on the other end, good balance scoring, but Jeremy Grant's got 15 for Portland. I'll tell you, if you were to tell me about Michael Jordan lookalikes, the first two that would pop to my mind are Jimmy Butler and Anthony Edwards. I am convinced at this point that Butler and Edwards are Michael Jordan lookalikes with the hair. I like that, Alec, and I like that, too, because you also mentioned it that way. It's about defense, mid-range game, and some threes when you need it, too. So I like that comparison, and I know what some of the kids would say today, calling them dogs on that side, and they have that game in them, that they're definitely good defensive players. They're good all the way across the board, and I really like that because they're two leaders. They're alpha dogs on those teams. And number one options on their respective teams. The hope for Minnesota is that they can make a deep roll with this breakout season that they're having. It's too tough to call the Western Conference right now. Between Denver, OKC, the Timberwolves, Clippers, and arguably the Suns on who is the favorite of coming out the West. Everyone is fighting it for every inch square yeah. and, and, cubic, and, and cubic centimeter <laughs> for, for playoff positioning. It just feels too tight, and there's no guarantee who's going to finish first. Yeah, normally the uh, Pythagorean theorem, the A squared, B squared, C squared, is easy to figure out, but that's kind of the way uh, the NBA works right now. And uh, with the play in, it only makes things a little more complicated. So hope that the best teams can get the top six seeds so they don't have to worry about everything else. 
Golden State and Utah was a shootout at the OK Corral. 140-137 is your final. Golden State able to get the victory. I do want to ask Alec this question, but I will talk about it. I guess Clay Thompson off the bench today with 35, 13 out of 22, as it was awesome balance scoring for Steve Kerr's squad. And then 33, let me make sure I get this correct, from Cavante George. That's a breakout game for the 20-year-old. It was a short loss, but 33 points for George. They're going to be happy with that. 35 for Colin Sexton as well. And for Clay Thompson, this feels like a confidence reset coming off the bench with 35 points. 7 of 13 from range as well. So you want to, after having a bad game in the previous match, you want to get a confidence reset. I feel as it was the plan from Steve Kerr to have him come off the bench. Brandon Podzemski increased looks as the shooting guard next to Steph Curry. And the two of them, they combined for 18 assists of Curry playing more of a true point guard role with Chris Paul out. Yeah, it's pretty good on that side. I did hear something, and I wanted to get your thoughts, because this is an intermission, and we can have a little bit of a discussion on this end. But Bill Simmons, I saw part of his podcast, because he's got that on YouTube, and when he was out there for a walk in a little bit of a YouTube short, he mentioned that uh, LeBron James, he, they said he's going to stay with the Lakers now, but there was a trade uh, possibility for Clay Thompson, maybe Andrew Wiggins and somebody else, going to the L.A. Lakers in exchange for LeBron. And Bill Simmons was essentially saying, Alec, that I think LeBron threw it out there to just kind of mess with Golden State's chemistry. <laughs> Sometimes I laugh at some of these trade propositions and say, I don't know what is going to, <laughs> is going to take to have these happen, but it's not going to happen by any means. Because this would be just does not feeling right. You have LeBron on the Warriors it just doesn't feel right at all. But I, I feel he and Steph Curry, they were teammates in previous All-Star games. If you were to form an All-Star team together, I know LeBron is, would be happy to have Curry on his team. Yes, he would. Again, I will make an adjustment here, and I'll call it as I see it. I know it was several several weeks ago from the play-in tournament when Alec and I went through the whole thing, and I think that was a lot of fun for both of us. I really enjoyed that. And on the end for Dallas... When we talked about it, I said, I don't know how I feel about the Dallas Mavericks. I know you have Kyrie Irving, you got Luka Doncic, you got a lot of offense here, but is it going to be enough? And then I look at it now for the Dallas Mavericks, they've won six in a row. I thought a couple of the trades that they just made at the deadline were low-key, but it worked everything else in their front court. And they're playing in a division, Alec, where you got the New Orleans Pelicans, who are only, I think, a, a game ahead on that side, but it's the Houston Rockets, the Grizzlies, and the Spurs. This feels like a division that Dallas should easily win, but those uh, Daniel Gafford moves and everything else in the front court, I think, are going to serve the Mavs well. And, and Daniel Gafford, PJ Washington, mm -hmm. those are low key moves, but they're going to work out the huge proportions once they get acclimated onto this team. You have Derek Lively, who is the starting center. PJ Washington is a nice backup to. He back up Lively in the event of injury and have him on the starting five. But Washington on the bench, as of right now, is a strong suit right now. And Gafford is another high-impact player that can come off the bench. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think it should propel at worst. I mean, Dallas, with that division that we said, that the Pelicans, the only other team in front of them, if it's still the way it's supposed to be, winning your division is going to guarantee you a top-four seed. And Dallas should have an opportunity to do that. I feel like they have to win it. 
But again, it's very interesting, as Alex said. You got Minnesota at number one. You got the Clippers at number three. But Alec, the Oklahoma City Thunder, they're still getting the job done right now. They said second in the West, 37 and 17. And Sam Presti's still got a laundry list of picks to use as this team continues to get scary. And they'll just get better from year to year, I believe. And they will. And no matter what you can do with that litany of draft picks, you can use them to say keep them or or acquire big name players in trade deadlines. I want to get to something else. Phil sure. Kessel has began skating with the Abbotsford Canucks. He has yet to sign a contract with the Canucks, but his current Ironman streak stands at a thousand sixty four games. So, when you look at their fourth-line side of Niels Amon, Philip DiGiuseppe, Sam Lafferty, no disrespect to Sam Lafferty or any of those guys in there, I feel like you could throw in Phil Kessel. Look, this team is so loaded across the board, why not give Phil the thrill one more run for a chance at a Stanley Cup? He definitely deserves it. He's a good guy across the league, and I feel like Vancouver's a good fit. And one of the hardest-working guys in the league, even though, even though when we see the play of Kessel... He played all 82 games in the regular season last year. His Ironman streak was not affected by him being a healthy scratch for the majority of the Golden Knights' playoff run ever since that first-round series. But he can still contribute on a fourth-line role on, a, on the offense side. You don't need him to take on a defensive burden because you want it more for offensive situations, not defensive situations. Because defensive, not really his ideal role. Offensive is where you would have him at. Yeah, you want to have Phil go out there and score some goals. Again, remember him with the, the Penguins and the Maple Leafs. Didn't he have to battle uh, cancer early in his career and go out there and be able to still get the job done? He's been one of the better players in the NHL for a long time, the Ironman streak and all that. Well-respected. And anyone else that has anything bad to say about Phil Kessel it will not be welcome on this broadcast. Phil <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kessel slander, definitely not tolerated no. at all. No, it's definitely going to be good to see. Hopefully he gets a chance to uh, join in around the deadline. He'll get his feet underneath him, get a chance for one more run. I wonder if there's any other players that I'm thinking about that still have some tread left on the tires around that deadline that may be able to make the acquisition. Because Corey Perry is now with the Oilers, Phil Kessel maybe with the Canucks. And there might be some other players that I'm thinking about. The Corey Perry situation is a little bit different to me, Alec, because I feel like I understand there might have been some things that happened in Chicago, but if he just continued to play, they would have granted him a chance to be moved before the deadline. I kind of don't like the way it ended up happening for the Edmonton Oilers. I'm not going to lie. It just feels like that. The Oilers just picking him up in the midst of what, or whatever just happened. We're right. not sure what exactly happened in Chicago for unspecified reasons. Just feels something's up. Do we have any updates yet on the side for uh, Colorado Avalanche? I mean, not our trade, Val Nachuskin, do we, do we know anything that's going on with that, or is he still in the Players' Assistance Program? Well, I say check, he was in the Players' Assistance Program, I believe. Because, man, I mean, Colorado, I, Val Nachuskin, he was at a, a season, maybe he was going to have like 30 goals, 30 assists already. He was on a hell of a run. 
I kind of wonder if Colorado is going to be able to get him back. I imagine before playoff time he will be in a uniform, but it just remains to be seen. I talked about this with Cooper a couple times, Alec, but ever since the stuff that was going on during the playoffs against the Seattle Kraken, we just haven't gotten any clear word about what's been going on with Nachuskin. And we don't know. It has to be. I feel it has to be connected with the. I don't know if it's connected with the hotel incident, but right. some may believe it to be so. Just, just is just a weird situation all around. Yeah, it really is. And again, hopefully we can get some sort of transparency. Again, I, I don't really. I'll just leave it like this because I don't want to get too personal. Anything that goes in with the players' assistance program when people need help, that's the right thing to do on that side. I mean, hell, it worked out for Connor Ingram in a situation when he was dealing with a lot of personal stuff and it was able to help him get some therapy, move forward, and play some outstanding hockey and goal. But when it gets to be a situation where it's really not for personal reasons and try to uh, scapegoat yourself to get away from trouble, that's when I have a problem with it. And I feel like maybe that's what's going on with Vel Nachuskin. Yeah, that may be the case. We've seen this with Dylan Dubé with if Calgary. Right. He was one of the five that was being brought in by the London police in the wake of the Hockey Canada scandal. It's the wrong thing to do if you're trying to scapegoat yourself and saying mental health and it ends up being something not related to mental health. That's where I'm going with that. I just wanted to make sure I didn't walk the lines too much. So Friday, the only game we got on NHL Network is Hurricanes and Coyotes. Saturday, again, we got a full slate. What are you working on this weekend before we get back into the play-by-play? Saturday, I'll be on the stadium series call between the Flyers and the Devils. Sunday, I'm doing things a little different. How about some NASCAR, the Daytona 500, with some regular updates from the Rangers and Islanders Stadium Series game. That's going to be pretty cool. You're going to have a lot of fun with that. I never got a chance to go to Daytona. I did go to the Indy 500 for IndyCar racing, and that was really enjoyable. I think you'll have some fun with that. The Stadium Series game is going to be 8 p.m. on ABC and ESPN between the Flyers and the Devils. I guess I'll jump back into this third period. I probably will hand it off to you, Alec. We'll see if the Red Wings are on a roll. I might be superstitious and go the whole way through. So I don't know yet, but I think we will handle it off. But I'll start it here. So Dylan Larkin loses the draw, and now it's Goss to spare, as the Red Wings will try to take this one left to right. I do want to keep this fair with my broadcast partner on this side, because I'm glad that Alec joined me. Because I was sweating this uh, Tuesday, Thursday side of these games, we will get a whistle with 1944 in the third as we're just underway. Oh, yeah, slashing. I believe it's Quinn Hughes who knocked the stick off of Lucas Raymond. Very clear and right in front of the official's eyes. Once he knocked the stick off of someone, would it be deliberate? If it's deliberate, yes, yeah, going to draw the referee's attention. Man, oh, man, this is the fourth power play opportunity. And again, Lucas Raymond draws another one. That is five drawn in the last two games. And Rick Tockett's just making sure to tell his guys to calm down a little bit. Don't get upset about it. Just kill it and move on. Seems like that shouldn't be a problem because the Red Wings power play hasn't done anything in this game right now. As this is slap shotted around the end board, Sprong can't find it. And Vancouver, Sprong now forces a steal. Backhand, putting it around the cage for number 88, Patrick Kane. It's Sider. The left side one-timer, the shot gets blocked. Red Wings at least elected to shoot that quickly. Maybe need to do so more. Sider, Kane, Kane patient. 
Surveying in the right side, Dot extra pass in tight, back to Kane. Kane has space, he goes for the top left corner, and it goes up and out of play, but I like the shot selection, because that corner was open, Alec. Yeah, that was open, right circle for Patrick Kane, He's, he picked the top left corner. He thought it was open, just beat out by the blocker of Factor Demko, who reacted with his gut, knowing that he had no time to react. Looking at Patrick Kane again, I just wondered, I'm not trying to be uh, superstitious or thinking about it, I like him a lot more than I should in the sense of it's kind of weird seeing a Blackhawk enter the Red Wings, but we saw with Chelios, Gossis Bear, this one goes wide, but I'd like to see Patrick Kane stay with the Wings, I don't think it's going to happen though, we'll see what happens next year, as this is center on the left side, I don't even know if he's going to stay at the deadline, cross pass, Raymond backhand, Larkin falls down, it's Raymond now, recollecting the left side, dot shovel chance, good stop by Demko. This is Red Wings, still on the outside. High slot, Raymond will get it. Pass to D, Goss Bear, circling Larkin 1T. This is going to stay in for Lucas Raymond. I think Vancouver might be able to get to this, David Perron, near the left side. Again, Derek Alone's not switching power play lines here, they're staying with the top unit. They have struggled a little bit. And, Vancouver's just kept them on the outside. That's the way it's been. All the way around the end boards. Comfort in between his legs. Behind the net now. Near the left up. Perron. Comfort. Cross. Raymond. Bounced off his skates. Raymond now. Has it. Right dot. Red Wings. Larkin. Back pass to Perron. This will be played by Ghost. Back to David. Larkin. High slot. Pass gets picked off. Sent down the ice. It's another one of those power plays, Alec. The fourth looked like the first. All sorts of puck possession, no goals. 3-1, scoreboard. And now the shot board, Red Wings are in front 17-16, but at least they made the adjustment as we asked for. Shoot the puck. As this is power play expired, 0 for 4 are the Red Wings. They'll try to get this now on even strength, racing near the right dot. It's Christian Fisher. Fisher power move. He gets taken down, try to get back to his feet. Andrew Kopp. Gets a couple chops at it, but it is Vancouver. Escaping the pressure with Teddy Bluger. As this is catched by line in the air, and we'll get a stoppage with 1721. That looked like a football punt on the, uh, mm. on the how, how that was caught by, by Alex Lyon landing on his glove. But this power play, Lucas Raymond, he was open. All sorts of, it looked like similar to that first power play where Detroit, they would have possession for most of that power play, but unfortunately no puck luck, can't find it back in the net. That might have been a good stick in the lane I saw from JT Miller, if I got the number correct, that just stopped Raymond from getting a wide open look near the dot, and that might have saved a goal. So it's Andrew Kopp against Ilya Mikheyev on the draw, you have to give it the advantage here for Kopp, and he will win it, as it's Cider. Long flip, and hopefully Vancouver doesn't keep this in again, because some of these are just forced passes. Cider now. We'll send this one near the left side. I don't mean to be so critical of Mo because I understand the other four defensemen that are on the ice, but he's really got to play perfect hockey, and he's got to play a lot of minutes. That's the way it is right now with all the other veterans. Again, you got Simon Edvinson, you got Trey Augustine in the pipeline, and goal as this one will be stopped down by Thatcher Demko. What I mean is there's a lot for the Red Wings to work with, but it's not going to probably happen for another year or a year and a half. As this goes off the backhand side, they're just going to have to try to hold for a wild card spot if they can. The teams behind them are charging, and the teams in front of them keep winning, so it makes it difficult. As this will be Goss' bear, send this near the right side. Dive. Well, that's a horrible interception. 
and now this is bounced off the bodies and goes out of play, but that's just a straight giveaway near the right side, Dr. DiGiuseppe. That just reminded me of that first goal that yeah. which Vancouver scored. It looks similar, John. The way it was passed, it was a forced pass up through one onside near the boards, and then resulting in that giveaway, which resulted in a shot. This one gets blocked as opposed to the first one going at the back of the net. But still, it looked eerily similar. Yeah, you make me feel a little bit better, Alec, and that you're saying it the same way that I was, because I don't want to just sound like I'm dogging my own team all the time or being hypercritical, because I know it could be tough for you with Carolina and Pittsburgh, but when you see the things that you see with some of the careless turnovers and you're playing teams like Edmonton and Vancouver, you make a couple of those mistakes and it turns a two-goal game into a four-goal game. As this is another face-off win. Put around the end board seal, Niels Hoaglander, top line out there with Elias Lindholm and Elias Pedersen. Hoaglander, try to get this one now, Pedersen passed too far, as this will get sent back down the ice. Demko, he's had a little more work to do in this third period, he's been really good on that side, no doubt about it. So it's good to see Thatcher Demko, don't get a chance to watch him a lot. As this is sent in near the right side, J.T. Miller, we'll try to go ahead and find it, it's Jeff Petrie. Spin it back around the end boards, and Petrie Chirot will be the veteran late line. Justin Hole has been the healthy scratch of late. Again, I'd like to see him be mixed in a little bit more. JT Miller goes ahead and gets it to Pew Suter, who had to get around a stick. The Red Wings now in their road whites. We'll try to get this one down. I cannot believe the final that we saw. 6-3 for San Jose against Calgary. That's brutal. They need points in the standings. And I know we're getting close to the deadline, but maybe Calgary would be better off selling at this point. Yeah, yeah you, you think of names like Chris Tanev, Noah Hannafin. We already had Elias Winnell crossed off the board among those who were possibly traded. But Tanev, Hannafin, what to do with them? Possibly even Markstrom, as you mentioned. Yeah, I think if you're Craig Conroy, I think that's what you have to do when you get to that first week of March. you got to make sure you get the value now. You're dropping those games. It's going to be really hard to make a playoff run. And you still have to make sure you give reps for Dustin Wolf. I know he had a rough game today, but you have to continue to help him get progression. Sent back around the end boards now, Quinn Hughes. It took Dylan Larkin a couple extra Red Wings to dispossess Patrick Kane. Stick handling. Another power play for the Red Wings. Is it Sprong near the right side? Dot. Are they really going to go 0 for 5? The hand still stays in the air. Patrick Kane dancing, sauce pass, finally gets touched by Vancouver, but yet again, it's a tripping call. Oh, it's careless penalties that could have easily affected this game had it not been. It could easily affected this game had it not been for the missed opportunities. I mean, 0 for 4 in your previous four. And then you go into this one on your fifth power play. Rick Tockett, he's telling his guys, keep your cool, keep your cool. He's just succeeded on that. Yeah, you have to. And Bluger kind of looked like he pulled the chair out underneath Daniel Sprung. He got some air on that one. Thankfully, he's okay. The Red Wings 0 for 4 with four shots. Alec, this is the time I have to say this is a must score for Detroit here. Near the right side, Doc Cross! Oh, what a stop for Demko on Kane! Is it Sider? No, near the left side. Kane got robbed! As this is picked up now, near the left dot. Red Wings, patient. Can they get it again? Patrick Kane was wide open. 
Here's a chance to the screen. Valeno gets denied off the second rebound opportunity. Here's the shots we've been asking for. Red Wings, Cider, Kane, keep number 88 on the ice. As this is finally sent back down. Alex Lyon runs all the way back to stop it. Cider has it. 115 left to go on the power play. This is Patrick Kane. Find the entry for Sprong. Sprong backhand. Cider through the traffic goes wide. Trying to find Valeno. And this is flipped down the ice again by Vancouver. Stopped by Lyon near the left dot. 13.45 left to go in the third. Patrick Kane gets robbed by Demko. It stays a two-goal game. Comfer try to get it near the right side. Dot wrap it around the end boards. We'll see if David Perron can make something happen. Near the left side red line. Comfer still working him behind the net. He's done so all game. That's what he wants to do on the Red Wings power play now. Sets up the screen. Perron left dot. Raymond's pass attempt for Perron is too strong. And now this goes to the neutral zone. 25 seconds left to go on the power play. Dylan Larkin falling down, trying to make the play. And the Canucks will get it down the ice as it's Goss to spare. Holding it now. 13 minutes left to go on the third. The Red Wings starting to need some goals here. They don't want to go 0 for 5 on the power play, but it looks like they're going to. Comfort, backhand, shovel pass Raymond near the wall. Goss to spare, trying to hold it in. Raymond effort. He'll hold. Larkin, sharp angle chance. And it's saved by Demko. As Larkin gets some pushing and shoving. And Di Giuseppe, got to be careful there for number 71. Don't want to see him take any hits. But wow, what a stop from Demko on Kane. That was perhaps the save of the night, John. For Demko to go all the way and then... Patrick Kane thought that he had it all the way open, but not anymore, you're not. That is supreme goaltending. Again, Thatcher Demko, you might talk about it over the seasons, where you rank him as far as the 32 teams. I understand Thatcher Demko's dealt with some injuries, Alec, but I would be safe to go ahead and say that Thatcher Demko, and this might sound low-balling on my end, but no worse than a top 8-10 to 10 netminder. Yeah, the very best you can put him at a top three spot in the NHL this season based on how he's going. Because Denville's played up to the level that he has played at. Yeah. And he was hyped up to be when he was a prospect and has developed nicely into a number one netminder. In Vancouver, honestly, between Casey DeSmith, I know you got a chance to watch him a little bit in Pittsburgh. He's having a great year. They got a pretty good goaltending tandem in Vancouver. Yeah, Montreal did carry three goaltenders at a time of acquiring the Smith. The Smith flipped to a contender, and this wasn't out of the blue. It felt like there was a structure that was there offensive. We just need to get the defensive results, and for a full year of Demko, for him to be fully healthy, you're getting both of them. Not, well, not just both of them. You're getting all three of them. Offensive structure, defensive accountability, and the goaltending that you've been looking for. This has been a successful year for the Canucks. No matter how it's put. I don't care how you phrase this, Alec. Again, just give me your honest opinion. We're before the deadline, and Vancouver's already made a couple moves. The last one I'll move was a gigantic one on that side. Nikita Zadorov, a little bit smaller there, but a couple Calgary Flames now in new homes in Vancouver as that pipeline moves. Are, what other moves can Vancouver make? What do you think else that they could add to the deadline that they need? You have to look at how much cap space they have left 
they're using three million of them on the LTIR. That's mostly because of the Carson Soucy LTIR move. Plus, you have Tucker Pullman, Guillaume Brisebois on the LTIR. I don't, don't think they're expected to be suiting up anytime soon. So you can basically put those as dead cat hits for the Canucks. But if you were to make a deal, possibly take advantage of that IR cap space you have. Yeah, we'll see if they'll add anything else on the forward side. Maybe some other centermans or whatever they want to do. Maybe Juleson can uh, be moved down for another veteran defenseman if they want to. I'm just kind of wondering what else they can add because this team does seem pretty complete, especially from the effort that they're putting in today. 3-1 is still the score line, and this will be the Canucks as they're continuing to move this around. It's Myers now. Has it. I'll drop it in the high slot. Here's a chance. I think it was Heronic that got blocked in uh, the Red Wings. We'll try to get this near the left side of the red line. It's kind of weird when I say Heronic's name and not in Red Wings uniform. Here's Hughes! He's gone! Oh, what a stop by line off the backhand, but what a speed there for Quinn Hughes. You certainly noticed that. Again, I miss him as a Wolverine, as this is sent around the end boards here. Thatcher Demko near the left side dot, but Quinn Hughes, that was just like Connor McDavid's speed, as this is picked up now for Nikita Zadorov. Sent down the ice for Petrie, and I don't say that lately. Ben Sherratt, outstretched pass. Red Wings will gain the entry here. It does seem like Patrick Kane's starting to get double shifted. Again, I'm not uh, dreaming that one up. I think he's been one of the better Red Wings on the ice, just consistently making chances. I just want to see him shoot a little bit more on that side because I like his wrist shot. Sent around the end boards now. This will be recollected in behind the cage, the Red Wings, and they'll try to make a back pass to D, and this is going to turn into a three-on-two. Teddy Bluger, sauce in the middle. A good defense there by the Red Wings. That would have denied a breakaway for sure, as this is picked up off the glass. Vancouver, race back around and get this off the left side. It bounces off Petrie. Kane's got it. He'll take a long flip, safely put this away between Cole's legs. 10.30 left to go in this third. Vancouver in their alternates in the dark jerseys with the red and yellow striping. As this is sent across from Gostas Bear and Olimata. Third line of defense out there for Derek Lone's squad. When are the Red Wings going to get another goal? That's my wonder here. Because Vancouver has played a much different game with a lot more defense. It's picked up near the left side red line. Now it'll be Mata here for Ghost. As this gets almost across the halfway point of the third, Raymond firing off the left pad of Demko. Sprong gets all tied up, and so does Raymond. As is an opportunity now off the clear down. Picked up now for Sam Lafferty. It's Ole Mata in around the end boards here for the Red Wings. Vancouver intercepts. Lenholm trying to get it across. It's Quinn. Quinn through the traffic, blocked by the Red Wings. It's a swat at the puck. That puts it around the end boards here, and that'll be Quinn one more time and behind the net. Elias Pedersen, haven't called his name too much. Is this one sent down the ice? Alec, if you want to take the play-by-play, -play, go ahead. Well, the reward on that is Alex Lyon holding on with 9.23 to go, so now we're at our second TV timeout of the third period. I think it's ESPN has shown a little bit of a break of a scuffle afterwards but so far no worse for where for Vancouver nope this has been a good game for the Canucks and honestly for me Alec after uh, the third period that I had to witness yesterday 
I don't think I can be too upset with the Red Wings today. They had a much better defensive effort against a really good, really capable Vancouver Canucks squad. But I think, honestly, I'll double up for Rick Tocca's squad in Vancouver. This has been one of the better defensive games that I've seen them play. And the Red Wings have proven all year that they can score. And right now, they're kind of getting boxed in. Yeah, it feels like that sort of vibe. A more defensive-style game. But Vancouver, they've been forcing the Red Wings to the outside for the majority of this matchup. And the only one that they've given up on the inside relatively on most opportunities is basically power play. And then that one chance by JT Comfort. Those two, the, the first and then the last two power plays by I, the, the Red Wings have been their best ones. Yeah, and again, I will say this. I know Rick Tockett might look in the boardroom and say, boys, when you look at the tape, you don't want to give up five power plays. But honestly, I thought they played really good defense. They kind of kept it on the outside, as you said. They forced the Red Wings to try to bank it off the outside of the net. They're not really letting them get open. Really, the only play that was bleeding through was Patrick Kane off of the pass he received. And Thatcher Demko, 10-bell save on that end. And uh, other than that, again, for the Canucks, I really have no complaints. And for Detroit, we'll have to look and see who they're going to be playing as we come back into their next featured game because if they don't start picking up some points here I know some fans don't want to hear it and I don't want to get too crazy because of the teams that they played against but if they don't start picking up some points here Alec they're gonna find themselves outside of the playoff chase that is true John and I'm just and we're just we're coming back from the break so we saw Jake Woman's snapping his stick in anger towards the boards after that scuffle, knowing that the frustration's there <laughs> towards the boards. It's scary, these fans. Yeah, Lucas Raymond did the same. Now Jake Wallman did the same. It looks like the Red Wings are uh, getting angry that they're getting bunched up tonight with a good defensive effort. And Vancouver's one of those teams that can frustrate you and get under your skin. And we talked about how tough they are. They certainly are the makings of a tough team come playoff time. Not only with getting under skin, but also in the physicality department. Soderson's side. Going after the puck now, JT Miller. Ben Chirot got there first. He was shoved away for a moment. But Vancouver is the back. Zadorov keeps around to the back of the net. Where's Miller? Shoved away by Jeff Teacher, allowing his suitor to pick up this puck. But it's kept in. No, it's not. The Red Wings, they escaped this one out with Andrew Kopp. As they enter the zone, Cobb is inside, matched up by Besser, he is boxed out. The puck is in no man's land behind the net, Besser picks it up, and he gets it out of that no man's land area, out to center, this one up high like an NFL punt, but this is immediately turned over from Suter to Patriot as he holds at his own zone. For the same inside to Copper, up in the middle comes Patrick Kane. Long shot, easily kicked aside. By Demko, knowing it was a soft shot. Wrap around attempt. Demko shut that one down. And Connor Garland gets it all the way out. 8 10 to go in regulation. Oli Mata now with the puck. Cozy on him is Bluger. Deep pass was pickpocketed, but it goes back to Detroit. For a moment, Forty, they thought they were going to have it turned away. Alex Debrinkin is going to fire around. Demko slows it down for Cole to pick this up. In Cole with 7.50. At the far side, the half wall, Mata's tied up. Vancouver clears. All the way to the joint's end. Kane looks to bring this back. He does so. The brink is with him. And the right side. The brink is one timer for Compre. Missed the shot. And now Gossip Bear keeps it. Across for Kane. The brink is saved by Demko. And that's empty for a moment. Demko. 
man, Thatcher Demko, great save off the back end. I know Debrinkin didn't get a ton of it. And now Koffer pushing and shoving there with Cole. Lindholm joining in. Alec, I want to ask you this. You got Ottawa in the east. You got Winnipeg in the west with Edmonton and Vancouver. Who's the best Canadian team left? Because I think we're watching them right now. Oh, sorry, uh, John. I, I apologize for this, but I have to leave early. I, I no problem. Have a family emergency right now. No problem. I appreciate it, Alec. You take care. So again, they got Patrick Kane on this side. Seven twenty-seven left to go in the third. Alec Nava was joining me in on this side. Again, we had a pretty good contest in between Detroit and Vancouver. Let's take this all the way home. If Cooper Hopkins does join in, we'll get him back. And he wasn't able to join today. Alec did the best that he could on this side. Though we'll stay in as long as he could. And again, I appreciate him in here. It has been a uh, rough couple of games. You got uh, Ian Cole in there now. 7.27 left in this third. We will see what happens for Detroit if they can continue to hold on. As Kane and Debrinkit trying to make something happen here. Again, Kane has honestly been one of the best Red Wings that I've seen over the last couple of games. Moritz Sider will touch up on the ice and with 7-19 left to go in this third. John, I'm here with you. I'm going to take it all the way through. Alec Nava pretty much was able to join me all the way through. Not for Cooper Hopkins today, but hopefully at some point it will get him back in next week. I know he wanted to be in here, but everybody else does get busy. As the Brinkett, they showed him trying to wrap this one back around, but Demko... Makes the save. Larkin now. Off the backhand, it's Sider. Sider as this gets blocked off the faceoff window. Get it back. Sider. Into the traffic. This one goes wide. A gigantic rebound. And now be careful. It's a two on one. Niels Hoaglander wants the pass. Overskated. It goes in anyway. For the Vancouver Canucks. Elias Lindholm. Another goal. And now it's 4 1. And this is going to be it. Again, it was a chance that could have been a pass across. Lindholm was there, and he scores yet again. So he is joining his new fits with his new team. So Elias Pedersen was on a stick drag near the left side. Dot over skates, and Sider tries to take him off the puck. Nobody picks up the trailer. And Elias Lindholm, and he gets a slam dunk into an empty net, essentially past Alex Lyon. And the Canucks... Now up by three. So that is going to end it here, essentially. And in the three games, I'll say it like this, in the three games between the Canucks, Oilers, and Canucks, the Red Wings did the bare minimum. They got two out of six. I was kind of thinking they would get one. Here's a slap shot. Great save off the redirect from Mata. Saved by Demko. I thought that they would get at least one of those. They got two out of six. They did the bare minimum. But now, if you're the Red Wings, let's just say, because we got the commercial break, a little bit of a half and half here. Let me look at it in the sense of the Red Wings schedule. You got Calgary on Saturday. You got Seattle on Monday. And then you'll play Colorado. That'll probably be my next broadcast with Detroit. That's at 7 p.m. Then St. Louis and Chicago. So St. Louis, Chicago seem like winnable games, but Seattle, Colorado... Calgary, depends on the day for Calgary, but the Colorado game could be tough. And Detroit, they need to start picking up some wins, because if they don't, they're going to find themselves out of the playoffs. And again, some Red Wings fans will say, well, there were so many games, what are you thinking about? As the wrist shot goes wide, but 
You have to say it that way. Detroit has put themselves into a disservice. They got run into a blunder by some good teams. And this one was especially uh, heartbreaking with the leg goal because Vancouver, who was not known to be the most standout defensive team, sometimes they allow Thatcher Demko to have to bail them out of a few games. Thatcher Demko made some outstanding saves, but they held the Red Wings to 23 shots. Thought the shot suppression was pretty good, and now they're up 4-1. Elias Lindholm with a two-goal effort. And the Canucks look like they're going to take this one. As it's Myers around the Amboards. Many gets upended by Rasmussen. As Ras has it now near the right side of the red line. Vancouver trying to get this one to bounce off Rasmussen. And now Connor Garland, third line side. He could be the recipient of this backhanded pass. It's Petrie. Now from Cop. Trot will spin it around. As near the right side dot, here comes the bomb. And it's saved by Lyon. I'm going to be honest here as we go to break. I think if you look at the situation that you're in with Detroit, I know Calgary can be a team that's up and down. I think James Reimer needs to get a start on Saturday. Lyon's been playing a lot. I know Lyon didn't expect to play in the game the other day with uh, Ville Husso getting injured. But I think on Saturday, give James Reimer a chance at the net. Maybe give Lyon a little bit of a reset. And you move forward because these next two games in between Calgary and Seattle. If you're Detroit, these are going to be must wins here between the Saturday and Monday side. We come back in from the break, we'll finish the game off. So we'll get back into the, the zone here. I'm going to get Cooper Hopkins in on this broadcast. Again, I don't care how many minutes it is, at least we can have a discussion and maybe wallow in the misery of his uh, broadcasting friend with uh, 5.05 for both of us. It was a rough night, my friend as this is sent down the end boards here for more cider. There's a lot to talk about between both of us, and uh, I think we're going to have to exchange some narratives, and we do get a stoppage. So cider, as it got knocked away from the brink at Connor Garland, able to send this one across, as this is sent in here for Wallman. He's going to get dispossessed of the puck. Most cider will get it now. Here's a pass picked up by the wings. They're going to need a goal here in essentially every minute. We're going to get a whistle on the other end, 436, Wallman and Pew Suter, former teammates, tied up. Cooper, welcome, my friend. It's good to see you. Well, buddy, you know what? Thank you for having me at all. I'm surprised you didn't keep the door shut on me. I don't mean to be cherry-picking things here uh, with just four and a half to go left in the third, but uh, maybe I was just licking my wounds here in my, here in my domicile with my sweet wife taking care of me because the Flames got absolutely embarrassed by, yes, ladies and gentlemen, the San Jose Sharks tonight. Yeah. And uh, you're having some struggles here as well with uh, the boys in red and white visiting here in Vancouver, the Red Wings struggling against the Vancouver Canucks. Last couple nights, my friend uh, Cooper, I'm glad you're here at all because uh, I'm still getting PTSD from Connor McDavid. Boy, how can you not? I mean, the, the, the kind of play that he, the run that he's been on lately is... Every time we think he's uh, he's reached a plateau, he breaks right through it. It's it's endlessly impressive. Connor is Connor. He is a singular talent, uh, and I think either one of our squads would have welcomed him with open arms tonight. Even though, especially in my case, he's a direct rival. I think they could have used his help this evening. Uh, as uh, it looks like both of our teams are going to go down by a three-goal margin here. So what did you think of tonight? Did you get a chance to watch any of that game? Because obviously I didn't covering this one, but with the Flames and the Sharks 
and the Flames needing points. That just wasn't very good tonight. Yeah, I don't want to put it all on a young goaltender who has a bright future in Dustin Wolf, but to give up three goals uh, in, in basically back-to-back-to-back uh, in relatively quick succession uh, in the second period, that pretty much did the Flames in. They were down low. There's an opportunity in the blue paint right there. The Red Wings taking the advantage of some extra open ice here and got the puck down low, but a nice save and covered up by the glove. It's a four-on-four here, John. I don't want to step on your play-by-play, but yeah, just a sequence of goals scored by the Sharks that I think probably really knocked the Flames back on their heels. Michael Backlund was able to get one back for Calgary, but they never really seemed to recover after that three-goal stretch for San Jose, and they pulled away. So the Red Wings had an empty net pull, and we had a chance from 170 feet that hit the bar, so it's still four-on-four. You got Pew Suter and Woolman in the box offsetting. And it looks like Vancouver is going to take this thing. I thought they were going to ice it right there. As this is now near the left side, the Wings in this story, Cooper, they've gone 0 for 5 on the power play. Goss to spare. Larkin near the right side. Dot back here for Ghost. 4 on 4. This is going to be for another minute 10. Larkin wrap around. He fans on it. And Vancouver can't get it out. As this is near the left side, blue line. Here's a pass off the end boards, recollected for JT. Now for Perron, sends it across for Ghost in the high slot. They've been doing this all night. They kept on the outside, not a lot of shots. Waiting too much for the perfect play. Demko says no as he knocks it down. This will bounce off the referee and we'll get a stoppage with 324. Yeah, John, you know, it's uh, it's a little unfortunate. I, I do wish I could have jumped on the broadcast with you sooner, uh, if not only to uh, give credit to the old Flames that are now Vancouver Canucks. It's been quite a night for certainly mm-hmm. Elias Lindholm, who just scored relatively recently in this third period, and then none other than uh, the man who loves to moonlight as a forward, yes. but defenseman Nikita Zadorov up to his old tricks. And I find it interesting, my friend, Wearing uh, the Vancouver alternate jerseys in that black, red, and yellow, uh, if you mix those colors up, buddy, that's uh, that's not too far away from those no, it's not. blasty alternate jerseys. So maybe the boys who play for the Canucks <laughs> now are feeling a little more comfortable tonight. I think that's well said by you. And again, if I have to get scored and lose this game, you got three combined goals, two for Lino and one for Zadorov. It really does take the edge off it, Cooper, even though it is the Vancouver Canucks now, because I enjoy seeing those boys having success. It's too bad they're still not on uh, the Flames because I enjoyed watching them. Empty net, Pedersen cross pass, and they don't take it. Valeno's able to get the steal somehow, and the Red Wings have the puck. Daniel Sprong has it as he's continuing to dance. They've been here for 88, wrapped around for Kane. Kane's been good the last couple games for Detroit, again, as you expect he would be. He did get robbed by Demko, just like he did with Stuart Skinner the other day with Amazing save, diving all the way across. This is just stuck in near the right side boards. Red Wings now lead on the shot board 25-20, but through the first 40 minutes, the shot suppression for the Canucks was really, really good. They surprised me in this game with how good they were on defense. Here's a chance toward the empty net. Not a very good one, as it's to Brinkett. He'll get this one now, with two minutes left to go in the third, so... The Red Wings and the Canucks will go 1-1 one one in their season series. The Wallman Gritty, that uh, happened, but Vancouver pretty much punched in the mouth the next game. Demko was going for all of it, and this is picked up. Red Wings off the rush, 140 left to go. It's Larkin. High slot gosses bear, 1-T. Stop by Demko, it's loose! Demko down in the full 
just sprawling across, and they go for the empty net again, go wide, and it's iced. Yeah, John, uh, Demko has actually made a couple of key saves yeah. here. I think that the Red Wings have done a nice job in desperation time, really building some pressure in the ozone, and had a couple opportunities. Uh, one where I was stepping all over your play-by-play, -play and it was down low in the blue paint, but a couple of bouncing pucks here. Demko's had to really get down and uh, kind of down on the belly. He was in that spread eagle and made a nice save with the right pad. So just keeping this thing at 4-1, the net is still empty for Detroit. They lead on the shot board, which is a bit surprising to me, at 26-20. So Vancouver really converting their opportunities. We'll see if uh, the Red Wings can pull one back, maybe just for pride's sake here with 90 seconds remaining in this contest. Yeah, and again, as Cooper Hopkins is joining me now, this one goes to the empty net, and this will be blown dead again, so we'll get another stoppage. But the empty net pull, Cooper, has been about 4 minutes and 40 seconds. It's certainly been a long time. Hey, you know what? I like it. Even though it's a regular season game here, the Red Wings had an opportunity uh, to take that goaltender out and give themselves a shot at it, even if it was, uh, you know, a shot in the dark, so to speak, a, a long shot. But I love it. I love the Red Wings showing that effort. Uh, and, you know, listen, if you're a Vancouver fan on the other side of things, uh, this is a much-needed, what looks to be a pretty yeah. secure win for them. They sputtered a little bit coming out of the break. Uh, and I actually was in the car. I heard some of the Vancouver broadcasts in their pregame, and they were asking for patience, not expecting Elias Lindholm to have a big game. Well, flip that on its head. He's had a great one. And this game will be over, John. I'll take the... Pain away from you, my friend. I will give you... Wait a second. I Wait think we're second. getting offside. It's waved off for offside. You get it. You jump in there. Look, I was I was missing that referee waving it off. It could have been 5-1, but uh, the Vancouver Canucks go well offside, and that empty net goal will not count. Yeah, they're hungry for the empty netter right now, but Elias Little, if you want to talk about preaching patience, it's already been, like, what, four games for him, and this is his second game already where he's got at least two goals. So how much patience do you need? I mean, he's already played well. Yeah, I found it interesting. I actually feel the same way as you. I just uh, I just happened to catch some of that pregame broadcast, and I couldn't believe that, uh, that their color man was asking fans to be patient with him. He's had a great start yeah. uh, in what I would normally say is the blue and green, but tonight is that uh, black, yellow, and red, as we mentioned. So inside a minute here, John, I'll let you take things away. These are your wings, so we'll see if they can put one on the board just for fun's sake. So if you could stay with me after Cooper, maybe about five minutes, if you don't mind. If you're busy, no problem at all, but we'll get some uh, post-game chatter. I'm looking at the Belly Sports Detroit feed because it's the only one I got here locally. So the Red Wings don't get any points. It's 53 games played, 60 points. New Jersey thankfully lost today because of L.A. And the Red Wings' lead in the wild card is down to two points. And we're going to have some discussion with that once we get into the post game because i got to ask Cooper some questions. This is put around the end boards. I'm just happy he's here at all. It does definitely, honestly, take the sting out of the last couple games when I got the boys here with me on the broadcast. And it's much, much appreciated. And I knew I was going to be taking some medicine on the Tuesday-Thursday side. But at least I'll say this. The Red Wings did the bare minimum. They got one out of three. They needed to at least do that in between the Canucks twice and the Oilers. But the way that the last two games happened, that's where the burn lies in. As this is gloved down in that Rogers Arena, crowd's definitely going to be happy. We'll get one more stoppage before we end this for real. Yeah, John, I'm, no, I'm, I'm happy to stick around and, and glad I was able to, uh, to get on the broadcast with you at all. And unfortunately, it's uh, not going to be 
not going to be happy totals as uh, no. sometimes this game goes in, in, in sports as a broadcast uh, wrap up. And, and this one will be a, a pretty tough loss for the Wings, who, of course, as you mentioned, are are fighting like a, like a good handful of teams in both the Eastern and the Western conferences, including my 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 uh, my lowly Flames tonight. Uh, they are fighting as well. But the few, few last ticks here going to make their way off of that clock, down to five and four. Red Wings do have possession, but they're in their own end, and we will wrap this thing up, John. So I will hand it off to you as the final does go down 4-1. There's Demko celebrating with Suter and Lindholm. We had a huge game tonight and really put this thing away for the Canucks getting that W. Cooper, I got to ask you here. I know you were the Mr. Bright side here for this side for the Red Wings, thinking they might go three out of three. And I definitely wouldn't throw you in the doghouse for that. In fact, I really appreciated it because the way that the Red Wings were playing, I thought that they might have had a chance to at least take two out of three. It really starts from the sting on the final 20 minutes from the Tuesday because it was a 3-3 tie going into that game against the Oilers. Red Wings fire, come all the way back from 3-1. Patty Kane makes it 3-3 on Tuesday, and then it's a 5-1 deficit in the third where the Oilers explode. And then tonight... They just don't get a chance to get anything going against Vancouver. They play one of their better defensive games. But i got to ask you this. Now that the updated standings, uh, Jack Hughes has returned for New Jersey. Pittsburgh gets a win. I mean, Pittsburgh might be on the outside with 51 games and 55 points. They're five points back still. New Jersey is one of those teams I'm still kind of worried about because if the Red Wings don't start to get points, they got... Calgary on Saturday, I would cover that game, but I know it's odd times for both of us, and I have the Sharks. And then Monday is the Seattle Kraken. You really got to win Saturday and Monday if you're Detroit. Yeah, and you know what? I will, I will just say this before I forget it. I find it interesting and accurate that you mentioned the, the Pittsburgh Penguins as a team that could be out of it. Even though they're close in that race in the East, uh, it makes me look at the West and who am I going to compare the Penguins mm-hmm. to? I'm going to compare them to the Flames. But the Flames sit at 55 points, having played 53 games. So I think that uh, Fates, even though they're not sealed for any of these teams that are on the outside looking in, uh, you can't be losing to the San Jose Sharks no. in that respect. And listen, the Red Wings losing at Vancouver, having a difficult road swing uh, kind of out in the West, or at least that Western Canada swing, uh, that's understandable. Uh, of course, yeah, maybe I was pie in the sky thinking that the Red Wings would take three out of three. Uh, I think your expectation of maybe two out of three was a little more accurate. Yeah. Uh, and it unfortunately did not unfold the way that either of us had hoped. But I still believe, uh, and I do be- I, from what I've hear- heard, I do think that a lot of uh, the NHL media uh, and fans still have some faith in Detroit. My question for you, sir, how are you feeling after taking a couple of L's? one of which was uh, quite memorable in the worst way. As a fan, try to take the broadcaster hat off. Let sure. those emotions flow, my friend. Now's okay. your opportunity. How are you feeling with that outlook, and uh, where do you think we're going to sit here, uh, let, let's say in a week or maybe three or four games or so with Detroit? That's the thing that I, when you broadcast, because I think you said it perfectly with the next four or five games, I think Detroit out of the next five games needs to get at least six points. I think I will cover Detroit one more time, and it will be Thursday next week. It'll be an early one at 7 p.m. Eastern against the Avalanche. That's going to set me up again for some more medicine because I just love punishment. But it really is to the point where Detroit needs to get these points. And if I take the broadcasting hat off, 
You got punched in the mouth a couple games here against two really, really good teams in the West. So on one side, you say, hey, you don't want to overreact. But on the other side, Cooper, I think I kind of feel it a little bit. And I'll just be honest. You got Wallman and you got Cider. That's a good first pairing. But you still mix in your next four defensemen with Goss to spare, Petrie, Ole Mata. And let me look at it on the other side for Detroit in the mix of... Uh, Let's say Justin Hall or Shane Gossesbear or Ben Chirot. So besides for Jake Wallman and Moritz Sider, I still think the Red Wings, they can't get it all done at the trade deadline, and this is obviously going to be after done in the future. They need four extra defensemen, and they also need some goaltending help. We saw Trey Augustine in the World Juniors. Hell, I just saw him dominate Michigan in Michigan-Michigan State duel in the D. He's a great goaltender. He's 18 years old. He was the Red Wings' second-round pick last year. But the Red Wings need about four more defensemen, and they need some goaltending help. There's still a lot to do on this team. Yeah, and that's a, that's a, that's a big ask, right, John? That's, yeah. that's a lot. It's a lot to do. Probably not something that can realistically get done in any complete sense. And you know what? You're also asked. Let's let's go into the hypothetical. Let's say the the magic wand is waved, and you assets are brought in. You know, new new pieces of that roster are put in place. Can that many new pieces be realistically brought up to speed? No. To contribute in such a way that's really going to kind of change the trajectory with as we run out of runway. You know, the runway gets shorter here each game. Ticking, ticking boxes, crossing, the, you know, with the red Sharpie on the calendar. Squeak, squeak, there goes another X, another T on the calendar's gone in this in this regular season. And it's just tough to imagine uh, a team turning things, or listen, I don't want to say turning things around for the Red Wings, who still are right there uh, in that playoff mix and, and still in a spot. So credit to the Vancouver Canucks beating a, a playoff team tonight. Um, but in order to maintain that spot, I, I can feel you. Uh, that I've been, in, we've been there before. Yeah. Uh, covering Flames games, it's tough as a fan to see um, those those steps forward kind of be shaky. Uh, so I'm hoping hoping for the best. I remain positive. Uh, but you you make great points about what needs to happen with the Red Wings. Yeah, I'm just going to take a couple more minutes here, Cooper, and then I'll let you go because I want to throw this out there. Let's say you make some of those defensive moves. Well, I told you before with Simon Edvinson and some of the other defensive pieces that the Red Wings have, they got a lot of good defensive players in the pipeline. you got Nate Danielson who played in the World Juniors. You have uh, Marco Casper, who was one of their top picks. Tons of other guys that will be ready, but they need seasoning and need time to play. If I'm Steve Eiserman, I'm not flipping those guys away at the deadline to be go out and make some moves because essentially what you're asking me then, Cooper, is are they going to beat Florida, who's the number one seed right now, who just usurped Boston? Are they better than Florida, Boston, Tampa, the Toronto Maple Leafs? The answer is no. You don't sell your assets at the deadline. You make those moves by moving up your guys from the Grand Rapids Griffins in the offseason and then giving them seasoning. Yeah, look, once again, I mean, no shock to me. You're uh, absolutely dialed in when it comes to uh, all things Red Wings. And, yeah, you know, that it, it, if we take what you just described as fact, which I believe it is, all of that was, was very accurate uh, and makes a ton of sense to me, and I think would to any Red Wings fan who pays attention, the question becomes, do we start to stare at another season? And it's a, it's not entirely similar to 
last year, but one that where strides have been made. But let's say the unfortunate does come to pass. Maybe the Red Wings just missed the cut. Maybe they're one or two spots back from those mm-hmm. final wild cards. And then you're looking at kind of a middling draft pick and really not done necessarily enough, right? You're not in rebuild mode. You're not bringing in brand new assets and resetting the team. Uh, and, you know, you're also not able to bring up talent from those uh, AHL teams, CHL teams, and and start to develop them. So are you caught in the middle, John, and are, are you hopeful for, not that the season's over by any stretch, but are you having to start to look as these days go by to potentially a season beyond this one for uh, maybe a playoff run that's extended? Yeah, I think next year will be the time when I always ask you during our shows whether the Wings make the playoffs. I said safely next year. And if they fall out, they fall out. I don't want to try to fight to be able to stay in. I think that would be the wrong thing to do. The last question I have for you, and we'll figure out next week, and I'm sure I'll send you some messages so we can get in a full broadcast because I definitely miss working with you and talking with you. But I do want to ask you this, and we'll close out because I do want to close out on a a thing of flames here. I saw some rumors the other day that uh, the one team that was in the mix of the services were the New Jersey Devils for goaltending, and they wanted Jacob Markstrom. Any credence to that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it was uh, I think it was Friedman, Elliot Friedman, that was that was breaking some of that news, and then more details have come out. I believe initially the thought was that Markstrom was not approached by Craig Conroy and team um, of the management of the Calgary Flames. It seems like that may not be the case, meaning that Markstrom may have been approached. Uh, I believe he does have a no trade clause, yeah. and and uh, it was. If not outright requested, it was run by him. I'm doing air quotes, okay. so to speak. If he would be willing to uh, to waive his no trade clause and consider becoming a New Jersey Devil. Now, the, uh, my understanding is that the deal fell through because the Flames felt they were not getting enough pieces in return. It wasn't Mar- Markstrom was not necessarily at the center of the outcome or lack of outcome of uh, that potential. Uh, player swap there. I think it was going to be Markstrom for multiple uh, multiple players and maybe a pick. I think there were four on the table. One pick, which I don't remember the round, so I don't want to misspeak. And then I think it was uh, believed to be at least one player that could jump into the lineup right now and potentially two, uh, two younger pieces. So I just don't know if the Flames were... I'm not sure if it was the number of assets coming back or the type if they wanted players that could jump into lines right away or if they wanted more youth uh, or more picks that combination i'm not aware of but markstrom uh he was the backup tonight uh dan vladar i believe is still out with injuries so taking it back to my initial comments about the flames losing to the sharks listen dustin wolf bright future i'm very excited about him i think he will eventually become the uh, number one goaltender for the calgary flames but uh just to not have a stellar night tonight and listen the san jose sharks you're still playing against NHL players. Dustin Wolf is NHL caliber. Is he fully ready? Probably not. And unfortunately, the Sharks got him tonight. Uh, and the Flames all of a sudden find themselves, after a nice stretch, a, a little a little mini winning streak, now they've really faltered. And it's going to be uh, back to that old narrative, John. How does Calgary bounce back? Yeah, and it's going to be for uh, Jacob Markstrom and the rest of the crew you got to sell high because by the time Markstrom's deal is done, he's going to be 36, he's 33 right now. So if you're Conroy, you got to be able to stand your ground, and I don't blame them for trying to make the move right now. I'm not saying he's not excellent because he covered the game on Monday, 
Markstrom stopped the New York Rangers from possibly winning by five or six. He was that good in the first period. And uh, it's really going to set up some interesting things on Saturday because the Red Wings and the Flames both play each other, and they're going to be two desperate teams. Yeah, and you know what? We keep, I was just talking about the trajectory of the Red Wings uh, season, which right now is certainly more positive than the Flames. Uh, but hey, we both take the losses tonight, and, and uh, those teams are going to be clawing at one another yeah. to, um, to, to get back to a place. And, and again, credit to Detroit being in a spot that the Flames, frankly, would like to be in right now. Uh, and the Flames, the Flames season, once again, after thinking that it wouldn't be this way, it once again hangs in the balance, where I think if a, a loss to the Red Wings, the alarm bells are really going to be going off, and I think a loss, even be one more loss beyond that, um, could you could start to see Conroy have to start making moves again. Uh, he, I think, has been able to put things on pause. The fan base, the team itself really found some belief in that winning streak, and that has got to be shaken tonight after the loss to San Jose. So once again, John, you're right on the money. Uh, and it happens to be both of our squads that are going to face off against one another, and that could uh, determine a lot moving forward. So we'll, we'll figure it out. I'm going to let you go on this because we'll try to figure out our next games if you are available next week. And I hate to throw you for the fire because I just put myself through it, but Thursday, 9 o'clock Eastern, Boston, late game, and then Saturday, Battle of Alberta against Edmonton. So... We'll see what the Flames are capable of. Yes, sir. And, and listen, uh, let me just ask you before we close out tonight. Are you planning just to sit back and you got to take a break sometimes too, buddy? Are you going to just watch that game between the Wings and the Flames, or are you going you going full bore? You getting you breaking the mic out and going to, to, to cover that thing? I I would, but my Sharks game's at five thirty, and that one's at four o'clock, so I cannot. Yeah, a little too t- a little too tight. You gotta. You, I'm, I'm actually. I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that uh, things are still moving on with the Sharks. Uh, definitely go that way. I will have the game on. I'll be thinking of you, and hopefully the Sharks broadcast goes really well. Um, I will say, in as friendly a way as possible, may the best team win <laughs> between yeah. the Wings and the Flames. And who knows what version of Detroit and what version of Calgary we're going to get on the weekend. Yeah, let's see if we can get at least an overtime result so both teams can pick up some points. How about that? There and, it is. Yeah. There's a good, that's a good friend right there. That's a good man. I appreciate it, John. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have some fun uh, when, we, when we get to recap uh, the outcome of that game. And, uh, and best of luck on the Sharks broadcast. And, hey, thanks for not uh, keeping the door locked on me. You let me jump on uh, the broadcast here late in the third. Again, the final 4-1. Vancouver unfortunately takes the win, uh, and we'll see. Exciting game coming up between our teams on Saturday. Yeah, and then we'll see next week, like I said, in between either Boston or Edmonton, if you want to jump in on that, just text me, let me know, and we'll figure it out, because it's been far too long for a full broadcast from us. But I appreciate it, Cooper. Thank you for uh, helping me out a little bit, because it's been painful the last couple days. Hey, that's what we do for each other. <laughs> <laughs> We've, we know what it's like to be on a bumpy road, and uh, I'm looking forward to calling a game with you soon. We will be in touch, and uh, we'll get at least one of those next week and have some fun. All right, sounds good, man. You take care, okay? All right, pal. Adios. See you.